0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse.
2: Hello, I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Scott.
3: Hi, I'm Evan. Hello, I'm Trish.
1: And we're going to talk about a uh, story by Rakuna Sheldon. The Screwfly mm-hmm. Solution, first published in Analog, uh, was it 77, 1977? June, think, June yeah. 1977. June, 1977. I went and, uh, processed that issue in case there was some art. And there was, there was a little bit of art. Um, has a dude, if you're looking at it, uh, standing, uh, superimposed over a fly. And he's got a big knife in his hand, but if you look very closely... You'll see there's actually a woman um, behind him.
0: Oh, wow. This is cool. I'm just looking at the cover for that, and uh-huh. it is the special women's issue. Yes, it's only for and special the cover, women. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the cover story is Eyes of Amber by Joan D. Vingy, mm-hmm. which that was also a very highly regarded story. Uh, yeah.
1: Analog. Uh, not just for men. <laughs> <laughs> As proven by this special women's issue. That's cool. Somebody I need to pointed find a copy of that. Somebody, it's on uh, archive.org. Um, mm-hmm. s- somebody pointed out it's been scanned. That's how it's been put on archive.org. Um, somebody pointed out that uh, they did a review of the entire issue and found it. Uh, I think uh, there were still a lot of men contributing to it. I believe the editorial was by the assistant editor who was female at the time. I think Ben Bova was the editor in 77. Um, but the idea of having a special women's issue is a very 1970s uh, idea now, right? Mm-hmm. Now we don't have women's issues. We have uh uh what what do we got? Um uh, well, We
4: had Women Destroy Science.
1: Fiction. There, that's what that's <laughs> yeah. what destroy But those are those anthologies mm-hmm. or are they actual issues? Of magazines.
2: They're, they're, they're thought, they were done by a magazine, but they're actually
1: anthologies. Right, right. Sure. So it's it's like a kick-started thing, whereas this is like... Um, a
4: special edition type thing. Yeah,
1: whereas this, they used to have like an all Harlan Ellison issue, right? And then they have Robert Silverberg, and they have him sitting in a chair or something on the cover. Asimov oh. issue. And now they have... No, not not, not a Joan Da Vinci issue. Just... uh, throw all the women in one basket here
2: speaking of harlan ellison you all know about the last dangerous visions that uh j michael straczynski is editing
4: yes i heard about that
1: i know that it exists
2: yes and the table of contents of the um contributors was released and it's to put it Miley, a sausage fest. In fact, I think there's maybe <laughs> one woman in the entire list, which, as someone pointed out to me, is less women than was in the original Dangerous Visions back in the 60s. So, what the hell?
1: It's a, it's about representation by gender. So we have to get what the exact age? percentage of humans and arbitrarily throw them.
2: Jesse, in this day and age... If your issue has one woman out of all the sets, you're doing a piss poor job.
1: I, I, I don't edit magazines, but we do have one woman per this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, when I saw that it was going to be an all male discussion,
0: oh <laughs> <Well>, no <laughs>
4: I decided that I had to join this one. Oh <laughs> wow glad you
1: Well you, so, you you're missing yeah. a whole lot of episodes because uh, <laughs> Scott and I did on the show for years, just him and me um, uh, and you
0: know there's been episodes where I did show only with Evan. you gotta you gotta step up girl. Well, this one has some very specific issues in it, right?
2: yes, yes. This, this, yeah. this, this is an episode where having having a female viewpoint is valuable and i'm glad Patricia's is here
4: i think i'm scheduled for like four in the next month and a half or yeah
0: so. So we I'm, have
1: I'm,
4: uh i'm pretty well represented in this time slot
1: yeah excellent we, we had to kick paul for most of those to make room though because it's all <laughs> oh, they're no, all on saturdays no. <laughs> saturdays at 4 p.m i think but um, well,
2: well that, that just conflicts yeah that just conflicts my It's, it's because you went away game.
1: for a while in uh, September, right? So we
0: were and,
2: and and you. now I'm on the outs.
0: On the outs. It's okay. We're making room oh, for yeah. women. So this is this is interesting, you know. So um James Tiptree Junior, of course, is a pseudonym for Alice Sheldon, who uh but this story is under a different pseudonym, Raccoonas Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and um, four or
4: five pseudonyms. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah,
0: And I was just curious to see if this, you know, if she came up for that with that, you know, to use in this women's edition. But it looked like she would used it a couple times before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what her logic was and, and uh, how she or the reasons why she would select it. Um, I know that I still think for the that some pseudonyms in the past. Yeah. Right? right. Some some uh, pseudonyms were selected in the past so that a person could be in an, an issue more than once. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if that's the case, but it looks like angel fix in 1974 is the first raccoon shell. Sheldon that I can see. So it was just a few years before this. And she used it a couple times before this one.
4: I believe she was trying out different names to suit different markets and also see, well, I mean, she experimented and got better reception for her James Tiptree stories. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, There's something about that on Wikipedia saying essentially that, uh, uh, James Triptree Jr had to intervene on behalf of Racuna Sheldon in order to get the publications. Interesting.
5: Yeah, yeah and, I, I, um, I
2: kind of recall re- reading yeah. about that like yeah basically James Jr. You know had to sell Racuna Sheldon to the editors like you like you like Rakuna's work really. It's like
0: Mhm. I did. So um she It's a good story. Yeah. And people did not know who James Tiptree Jr was generally, right? At this um, point, they did. This time,
1: 1977, they knew she was a they female. Did. Yes, they did. Okay, thank you. It had just come out, and Robert Silverberg had to make a huge apology.
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: <laughs> because he had argued uh, that it it was very clear that James Trippchi Jr. was a man, had to be. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be. He, he was
2: absolutely <laughs> convinced of his uh, correctness on that. I, th-
1: I think it's a, it's very interesting. So we got a lot of explanations as to why she's using her uh, pseudonyms. I don't buy most most of them. This is um, something, you know, if you look closely at the Andre Norton story, she changed her name legally to Andre Norton. She did it pretty early on. Um, it wasn't because she needed cash the checks, right? It was because she liked that pseudonym. She liked it.
0: Oh was there a question ever uh, whether Andre Norton was a man I'm sure. or a woman? I'm sure. I I have never uh, Her
1: only fir- only even her when first... I
0: was we, I knew that that was a woman. I mean not yeah. not because of the writing or anything but I that was like a female name to yep.
1: me. Andre yep. is uh, is, is a male name,
0: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I but I
1: understand. Reason, I understand. I, never, I think it was it was it fairly clear um, early on that she was not hiding. Uh, it uh, her first book was not under uh, the Andre Norton s- pseudonym, but I think it was either the second or third book she had. She just switched over to that entirely. And the first book is like a quasi-medieval rose- romance sort of genre but all the rest of them are mostly science fiction or close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, it's, it's called rationalization. And that, what's so cool is that's what this book is about, or this story is about, I think. And why it's so good is that the whole religious cult element of the book, of the story is based on rationalization. It's not something the quote unquote angels or aliens did, right? That's, our rationalization for the feelings we have super hard ass i love it this is
3: that's really interesting thing about the story Mm -hmm. jesse and like normally when i think about like as a historian i normally think like we have certain biological experiences like Mm -hmm. let's let's call it like love right yeah whatever it is chemically that we experience as love right you know, it's probably fairly universal across humanity, right? But across time or across cultures, you see that interpreted very differently, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: We're agreed? Yep. Okay. And but so it's usually like our, you know, so that I think is true. I think that makes, that's well done in this story. But what I don't quite Except fully in this story, which I think is a great story. I mean, it's 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 brilliant. But like in so many ways, culture imposes itself on our biological urges really well. Mm hmm. Right. Like think of like we're we're not like like a monogamous species biologically, but pretty much every culture has created that. You know, through laws, through culture, through literature, through whatever mechanisms. Right. Mm hmm. Religion. Movies. Movies, right? Romantic love comic. songs. Ep- <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I didn't quite fully accept in the story is like something physically is changing in these men, and it's whatever, it's hijacking the sexual urge or whatever, right? But that all the cultural baggage would. Be dispensed. So they just create a whole new cult, a whole new philosophy, pretty much overnight. That's I'm not convinced culture wouldn't win out mm. or morality yeah. wouldn't win out. I well, guess it's I, kind of a problem in a lot of apocalyptic literature in general, is that they assume morality is out the window the first time a zombie you know wakes up or something.
0: Yeah, I think um this story does what a lot of science fiction does, which comes up with a mechanism where you can turn some aspect up to 11 mm-hmm. so that you can, ex- you can examine it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cause I, I am a religious guy. I'm Catholic. And um, of course I do have to deal with the fact that um, religion is used a lot, even by my church in history and stuff um, to uh, set uh, the, the society's norms. Right. And um, so what I'm saying is that, I think by, you know, having this, uh, spore or whatever you call it coming out from, from, uh, extraterrestrials is, um, taking these urges by, um, these specific men and, um, letting them let it rip, you know, because, you know, as a religious person, you know, when you see like the story of Adam and Eve, um, used in the way that it's used in this story, I mean, that's, uh, really uncomfortable and not what the story is intended. Oh, to. but see, people use it for whatever they want, right? I, I understand. And that's what she is showing. Yeah. Right. That's what she's doing. She 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 takes this spore, gives it to this story, right? And then now she can turn that up to 11 so we can see mm-hmm. it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're absolutely right. And we're right. examining it. And that's, that's what a lot of science fiction does really well. Uh, good science fiction. Yes.
1: I, wa- mm-hmm. I, I want to I talk about... Um, Two adaptations of it, and yeah. the reason uh, the reason I like to look at adaptations, the reason Paul, I decided I needed to watch the terrible the Twilight, Twilight Zone adaptation, is because I want to understand the original story better, and I I always think that 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 helps. When I, I heard some uh, Brian Alexander was just starting to watch the new Dune movie, and mm-hmm. uh, his descriptions of what's happening makes it sound like it's much better to have read the book. Before you start watching the movie, so you'll understand what's going on. Which Um, sounds
2: like the original 1984 Dune movie, where again, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the source material, you might be a little lost.
1: I, I watched the movie first, the 84 movie first, and then read the book. And I, I thought this book, this movie's amazing. Um, there's a book, you know, sort of thing. But, uh, I agree that that seems to be the case for most people. They want to watch it in reverse order. Um, I think that the, Everybody except for Trish has seen the Masters of Horror adaptation, right? Yep, I watched. Yep. All right. So, uh, Scott, did you watch it? You saw it years new, ago. You the said new no, the new Dune. No, which the one? Masters of Horror adaptation of oh, the story Fly yes. Solution. Um,
0: yes, I did see that one, but long ago. Years ago. The nine zero two one zero guy.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and Elliot Gould. More important. And Elliot
0: Gould, of yeah. course.
1: And yeah. uh the actress who yes, plays the main character is also really good. Don't know who she is. They don't advertise mm-hmm. her on the DVD. Um, but we also don't know she's the main character until quite deep into it. I I watched uh, that before I read the story. I read the story only this week. And um, it's very, very well done. Although I, my mom was complaining, and rightly so perhaps, about some uh, comma commas missing in the uh, PDFs. Anybody read the PDF that I produced? No?
2: I have it open, but I didn't actually read it. Okay,
1: out. so uh, through
2: part of it, yeah. Um,
1: w- w- one of the comments she was making while she was reading it to me is that is that it seems to be that the narrator of the story uh, has uh, comma problems, but the characters who are writing all the letters don't, which is interesting. And at one point, one of the epistles we're reading is uh by the daughter the teen teenage daughter so um diary yeah her diary entry right it's actually uh this is a a really fun format and uh if you look at just the material that is covered you know in this story this is the same this is enough material for a very hefty novel you could do a whole quadrilogy or quintupley or whatever they want to call it right this is enough idea fodder for a much longer story, but reading it takes an hour. Um, and that's reading it aloud. reading it. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, if Stephen Baxter wrote this, wrote the story, it would be a long, big, thick novel. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so the, the screw fly, sedu- solution adaptation for masters of horror um, hits almost all the points uh, that are uh, happens in the story. And I think it does a very good job. It's not that highly rated. I think it's like 6.4 with 2,000 ratings on IMDb or something like that. But I think it's it's a, it's a hard topic to um, fully satisfy everybody with because it's actually much more of a science fiction story than it is a horror story, I think. It's very much like H.G. Wells' the, uh, War of the Worlds. It's, in fact, the same plot, right? Alien Invasion of the Earth by Aliens. But we don't see it from that perspective. We see it from the ground-level perspective, as we do in War of the Worlds. But there we see a lot more of the aliens clanking around, and there's a ship battle and stuff like that. But uh, that's also novel length, so you get to dwell on it. So... Um I wrote this
4: up for uh, I disagree strongly oh, that please. it is a as more much more of a science fiction story than a horror story. We'll see. Um, tell, <laughs> me, tell me tell ab- me why. Absolutely horrific. Uh you you have I really um admire how at first it just seems like a a weird you know sidelight that people can almost laugh at and then you get the sense of creeping dread as you realize that it's everywhere and it's spreading and uh not only is the disease spreading but everyone in authority is doing the wrong things they're clamping down on the news Mm -hmm. they're refusing you know they help they hold hearings but they refuse to take any actions they say that it's going to burn it itself out and everything will be fine and then we'll send in some teams to talk people back into real, uh, into rationality um and you know the the horror of even the nice uh rational scientists uh who who we start the um story with feels himself changing and can't stop it and that's a very Horrifying situation. Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. Yeah, that's that, that I mean, yeah, you get that in the story and in the in the, uh, the adaptation that, that that realization that you can't stop what you can't do it. Help yourself this perfectly. Well, I should say perfectly this, this hyper rational person giving into these bestial primal instincts that have been awakened in them by by the aliens as it were is, is it, it, it it's, it's terrifying. It's a loss of control to less, loss of self, a loss of identity. It's a loss of being able to choose your own fate. It, 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 it it's frankly terrifying i watch like, oh, I... oh my god it was even yeah. worse
4: watching than actually reading it's like oh my god and right this. and the existential dread you know not only are you going to be killed by the monster we are the monsters and we're all going or we're all going to die um mm-hmm. humanity is going to kill itself um you know it's yeah i think the worst story the most horrifying stories are not you know outside evil comes in and attacks somebody, it's when people do it to themselves. Um and here the aliens are the catalyst, but they get people to do it to themselves, to exterminate themselves. And I just think it's completely chilling. Um
1: oh it's powerful great horror
4: as well as great science
1: fiction. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it's more it's it's more science fiction than it is horror. I'm saying it's really science fiction. Um, and the show, Masters of Horror, is not that. It, 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 this is one of the very few, very science fiction episodes of that series. The rest okay. of them are much more like uh, On and Off a Mountain Road, where there's some serial killer on the side of the road. Or, you know, there's zombie episodes. And a lot of them are metaphors. There's one that's a sort of H.P. Lovecraft, uh, cursed film episode. <laughs> oh, right?
2: yeah, yeah, Cigarette Burns. There's, Cigarette there's Burns the, is the, a really
1: course, good mo- one where the, where, where one the, where movie. One hour movie.
2: Yeah, they, there's one where the woman metamorph gets infected by the insect and metamorphosized. Yeah, and they're so, yes.
1: very fantasy sort of generate. They, they tend not to be very. Um, they're much more like, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street than they are like slasher slasher episodes mm-hmm. generally. This is a slasher that is uh, generalized to the entire population, right? And and so the the focus is on the the micro that's what what all the epistles and the clippings and all that but but the outer image is the same it's so cool is that our main character we think at at least at the beginning alan reading his letters uh in uh columbia right he his job is to do what the aliens are doing to us, yes, except he does it to insects, right, things right. that are uh pests, and the
2: metaphor is not subtle, oh, I think it's
1: pretty good, <laughs> I think it's pretty good yeah it, I, 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 you, just, sh- you just you sh- just have to think VR about things. it a little minute and then you say, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I see it, but um, I don't think that it's as evident in the um in in the adaptation the adaptation is really well done it's it's not the most stylish um or anything but uh it's chilling and it, it's pretty impressive so i i wrote this up comparing the two uh adaptations and i'll just read it through pretty quick it shouldn't take too long uh the 2019 re- reboot of the twilight zone has an episode called not all men which is credited to heather and campbell It seems to be an uncredited remake of the Masters of Horror episode, The Screwfly Solution, scripted by Sam Hamm. Except that the latter is an adaptation of the 1977 story by James Triptree Jr., and the former isn't. Both have dinner parties. Both have cakes with words written on them, welcome home, and happy birthday. Both have women being murdered by men. Both have the military showing up. Both have atypical meteor showers, and... Both have their respective blonde female protagonists driving around by day and being chased by night in identical yellow Volkswagen Beetles. On the left is Twilight Zone. On the right, Masters of Horror. So I took a couple of screenshots. The Screwfly Solution, showing uh, the dinner party scene where everybody's sitting around. Uh, not all men. The dinner party scene where everybody's sitting around. The Screwfly Solution is a biological science fiction vis- and visceral horror. An alien invasion story like The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Intellectually rigorous, but brutal, scary, gripping. Not All Men is decidedly not. It's almost a comedy, but there are no laughs. The Screwfly solution suggests we are victims of biology. Not All Men suggests that everyone has a choice, and most men choose to be bad. The Masters of Horror episode makes a character from the short story Gay. Uh, This is Barney, if you guys remember uh, the character Barney—he's alluded mm-hmm. to a lot, but we don't see much from his perspective in the in the story. Um, but we do see him quite a bit. He's the Elliot Gould character in Masters of Horror episode, um, and makes him resistant to the biology that affects most men. Uh, the Twilight Zone episode has a gay character who chooses to be resistant. Now, this is uh, actually a choice on the ha- behalf of of uh, Sam Hamm, the scripter for Masters of Horror. He did something that's not in the stor- short story, and I think it's actually pretty interesting to see this difference. Um, I-, I don't know that we know that uh, Barney is gay in the adaptation. We know he's shy around women, which is interesting, but it's 1977, we don't really know. Um, but he's definitely gay. He says, I prefer young men. Um, and to, He's talking to a young woman, and that's why he's resistant. Whereas, if you remember, one of the things that Alan does is he goes into the bathroom after his nightmare uh, on the airplane uh, about what he's going to do to his wife when he gets home, and uh, he he goes into the men's bathroom and there's a a boy or a young man murdered in there. The male sexual instinct applies to all sexuality, regardless of yeah, your you're not, not if you're reductive. gay or straight, yeah. right? And later on in the story, uh, we have our lone hero, female, off in the woods out in Red Deer, Alberta, I believe it is. And she says uh, she went into this, uh, the store and she overheard uh, a couple of hunters and a boy talking about the boy seeing an angel. The next time we see them, the the boy's gone. So there's this predation of any sexuality on... on Whoever is weak and can be, you know, attacked. And that's absent from the TV adaptation, which is interesting. But, uh, the Twi- I'm going to keep reading here. The Twilight Zone episode has a gay character who chooses to be resistant to the whatever it is. And boy, and both have females disagreeing in their yellow Volkswagen Beetles about how to understand what is happening around them. The Screwfly Solution is full of cons- conscientious men and women scientists trying to figure out what is happening and how to help their families and the world. Not all men has basically no scientists at the end, maybe, but has a marketing company doing something sciencey or something at the beginning. The Screwfly Solution has the most brutally noir ending imaginable, an ironic one given that the characters we follow around in the story, perhaps the last woman alive on Earth, are watching... The new tenants of Earth arriving and knowing that humanity is finished. Not all men ends with a deus ex machina, with the cops or the army, saving our viewpoint characters, fade to black. Blood tests turn up nothing. A twist ending that throws out the main idea that they've been pushing. The red meteors were a red herring. There's a line at the end of the episode that supposedly explains it all. The meteors, they were a placebo. Then we get a cut-rate Rod Serling narration ending. Tonight, Annie Miller found herself in the center of a mysterious and violent epidemic. What she encountered was no material disease, but rather a plague of conscience, one that gave men permission to ignore decency, consent, and fear. And tonight, all it took was a few innocuous little rocks to turn men into monsters here in the Twilight Zone. At
2: That's one a, point, th- that, that sounds very monsters to do a Maple Street sort of approach.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, in, in, I'm almost it, done. it sounds like they are taking what the original um, stories hypothesis was of mass hysteria and saying, oh, it is just mass hysteria. Yeah, I'm almost done. I, save,
1: save, save it, because you, uh, you're right. Uh, at one point during the craziness in the streets, one guy says, fuck your feelings. And at this level of analysis and writing, and this is the level of analysis and writing we're dealing with, someone also pointed out uh, there's a lot of red hats in in uh, s- street scenes. Um, uh, finally, both were filmed in British Columbia. The Screwfly solution is set in several places, including Texas, Michigan, British Columbia. I don't think we know where the Not All Men is set other than a really lame corner of the Twilight Zone. So to me, it's incontrovertible that somebody watched the screwfly solution and said, let's do that. And didn't credit credit the original or whatever. I, there's a lot of changes, but I, I parallel a lot of similarities. So... Um,
4: the yellow Volkswagen Beetle is also in the original story.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, but what's funny is they're copying from the, the Masters of Horror. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's not a, you know, an old fashioned yellow beetle. It's a modern yellow beetle. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but it's this, it could be this very same vehicle considering they're both filmed in BC. You know, they've got a, you know, th- there's a unlimited pool of vehicles for <laughs> filming. Um, it, it was just striking to me that they did an adaptation of another adaptation that's, and that adaptation is not adapting the original. There's no science going on. In fact, it's all a fake out. And the effect is striking. One is really good and the other one's like, eh, really bad. Really, really bad. And, and it's because they don't fundamentally understand, whoever's, I can't, I wrote her name down. I, I, she doesn't understand what the point of the original is. The point of the original is that it's a horror that we might be unable to control ourselves. Whereas the not all men says some men are able to control themselves. All the others choose to be bad. And I, I, I don't know what to do with that <laughs> because it just, it, it's like, um, it, and it's not like they're saying it's, it's only gay men are who are safe because one gay man in this or one gay teenager in the story is bad, but they're also not attacking women. They're just attacking. They're attacking women and they're attacking each other. They're attacking, you know, hardware. They're attacking vehicles. They're just, uh, as somebody pointed out, they're just aggro. I don't know what aggro means exactly. Aggressive, something like that. Going, Mm -hmm. you know, super angry. Aggro
2: is is, is is a very video game term.
1: Okay. So one of these is science fiction and the other is something else. They're both supposed to sort of be scary, I think. But I think, as Paul, you were pointing out, I was kind of worried about watching The Masters of Horror before I went to bed because what if I have nightmares? Because <laughs> they'll be bad.
2: Um, yeah, no, worry about it for different reasons. Not because it's bad, just because, like, yeah, it's just. Ugh.
1: Ah, well, I, I might get a whether
4: nightmare. Killed, if, whether an individual is killed because of. Mass hysteria, or because uh, and and people's choices, or because of an alien uh, 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 disease that God spread, that doesn't matter to the individual, but it does matter for the hope of the species. Because if it is mass hysteria, humanity may possibly be woken up from its, uh, uh, you know. Crazy, aggressive killings, but uh, not in the case of the um, very effective uh, biological extermination. It makes sense. It,
2: it makes sense. So, so I, I forgot to do what I've been doing with you, Jesse, and send you ideas as I was as I read the story of stuff I wanted to link to. But I just, and I forgot most of the things I wanted to talk about, except I remember one now, and that is... A horror movie from John Carpenter, as it turns out, called In the Mouth of Madness, where you mm-hmm. have mass hysteria spreading inexplicable and causing homicidal violence, just homicidal violence in general, not just towards women, but no one, no one being able to get a hold on it and the poor main character caught in the center of it. It's a very different sort of it's, it's also horror from it's coming from outside being brought in but that whole sort of like it's the king in
1: the just, yellow that's uh, that's an infection yeah, from yeah, an yeah, idea yeah. a meme gets in right, you, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: whereas this okay, is now, this is either but, an enzyme or a hormone right
2: right i mean but here i mean especially in the story it's some because they talk about the latitudes of things spreading but there's also it kind of works hand in hand with this whole weird cult that has suddenly sprung up as well so i i get the sense from the story that in addition to it just being infecting this enzyme or whatever, it's also just the whole social pressure is is as powerful as biological pressure and spreading this this evil. I mean, it's all, uh, well, I it's mean, do you I, read I mean, mean, Sutter Kane?
1: If you do, then you're infected, right?
2: Right. Well, right, well, well here, yeah, but here, I mean, here, I mean, you have this this whole new church and angels, and that's also got to I would I would argue weaken the weaken your weaken the mind and make you even more susceptible to
1: i agree Uh, but i think i think what's so interesting is that it seems to be she's uh, that is trip tree is is suggesting that those are rationalizations and that we do a lot of rationalization for what we we do the reason i'm killing you is because you're a communist not because i like to kill right the reason i'm killing you is because you're a homo you're a homosexual not because i like to kill
4: Right. I can see how once the cult arose, it would spread like wildfire because now you could explain all these weird, you know, inexplicable impulses you were having to kill all the women. around. And what's so
1: awesome about that is that's actually, this is a phenomenon we see in reality. People think that Trump makes people uh, uh, more racist. And perhaps there's a little of that. But what actually it is is Trump is something they latch onto because of dissatisfaction, right? Yeah,
2: Trump, Trump, Trump is not the cause; he's a symptom.
1: Yes, in the same he way that the religious, expression. the religious expression in here of you know the cult of Adam or whatever it's called is is uh, an explanation for why and you know calling them angels right when they're <laughs> clearly not angels uh, to us as the readers outside of this story. Um, that is, it's a way of us understanding, aha, maybe we're doing this all the time in ourselves. So, uh, James Triptey Jr., amazingly intelligent person doing really interesting things with a very compressed space, right? It's, it's like Dracula. It's a, uh, epistol, epistolary story giving us mm-hmm. a potential infection of the entire planet and the heroes trying to stop it, except they can't in this case, because they're so subject to the biological uh, horror that is them, their own bodies.
4: Let me just speak to a minute about how much I love the format of mm-hmm. this story, because the epistolary thing here is perfect for combining the personal and the broader picture. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. you could have easily just written, written this as a single person narrator Of everything that happens. Um, uh, But having the the news clippings described and, you know, people are sharing news and sending letters and making phone calls and writing in their diary. And you just really get all these different perspectives on what is happening. Um, And it's uh, just... um, I, I just think it, it's perfectly expressed for what she's trying to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a, there's a scene where he gets off the plane. He had previously put a clipping into his pocket. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he notices it in there and he pulls it out and he reads it. And it's, you know, something terrible is happening in England. And his friend Barney has scrawled a little note on that and said, don't come. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, well this is, this is perfect because it's it's got those layers and layers of intertextuality and yes. and then finally at the end we get the we find out oh may basically this is all like this last part is all a suicide note she's saying uh, I'm gonna kill myself tonight when the uh, the stars come out and it's gonna be so pretty uh, oh and by the way yesterday I saw an angel <laughs> it's like okay and what does she call it the last words of the story a real estate agent.
2: Yes, that 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 is such a devastating last line. Indeed. Like, I, I I mean, why why are the aliens here? Are They here to basically uh, take over the planet. I don't remember the author. I don't remember the name of the story. I just remember it was a short short story that I read back in the eighties in a book of short short science fiction stories, where it was a similar idea. And I don't know when it was. The story was published. So I don't know if it was before this or at this. I suspect it was before this. Where the aliens do something similar, but instead they just kill all the adults over six years old. So so they, but one guy survives and basically the kids have basically turned feral, and it's implying that they're basically they've broken civilization and the earth will be ready to be taken over. And this poor one guy is surrounded by these feral children who are going to kill him. It's like it's it's a it's a little horror story, and I wish I could remember who wrote it. Like whatever. a lot
1: of Star Trek episodes, you know, where they yes. come to the planet, and all these kids have been turned immortal, except when they turn the hormones on, then they turn into monsters. Right? Except we yep. did it
6: to ourselves. We did it to ourselves. <laughs> In this case,
1: it's 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 uh, yeah,
6: yeah, higher up
1: species doing, um, like literally higher, <laughs> not on the food chain, yeah. but. Uh, physically from us doing what we do to lower species right, on the food ex- chain, right? Or maybe the um, highest ones flies.
2: <laughs> so, 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 so I have a question for the group: How, who of you have read "Houston, Houston"? Do you read
0: me?
4: I
2: kind of figured well. you did,
0: Trish. Yep, I've read that.
2: This that came out like a year or so before this one, and so that's the obvious. I mean, it's, it's a longer story, but that's the that's a story that parallels well with this one where you basically have a, this where you have the astronauts coming out to basically a planet that is just women and they don't fit in and they're not going to fit in and the men are dealt with rather severely because they don't want to mess up the society that they've built so yeah mm-hmm. it's that that's a very I mean again I mean to treat, explored gender dynamics and women versus men in a, lo- a lot of different ways here it's what if the men go crazy and go after women because of alien intervention and *Houston*, newson do you read it's basically women basically disposing of men and introduction of men into that society is an unwanted intrusion that's dealt with in uh it, it i mean I, I suspect that that story was written in the 50s by a guy. Houston, Houston, do you read that? Is that basically, the men would have, I mean, like one of those 50s B-science fiction movies, the men would have taught the women this thing called kissing and everything would have been happily ever after, but Tip Tree says, no. The women are going to see the men as the, the three astronauts, um, Norman and the others, as a threat and deal with them promptly, and that's what happens.
1: There's and a the <laughs> comic term. book adaptation uh, called Why the Last Man that it- uh, that's
2: I, that's I, that's a different that's a different thing i, why, the I last man, why, why why the last man i mean explores what happens if there's only there if there's only women left but that, that's a different sort of feel than houston houston do you read where basically the women yeah. get rid of the men whereas why less man is basically well what if all the men Except for a guy and a monkey die. What happens then? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are astronauts
4: come down as well. Houston, Houston, Do You Read might be a sort of response to Joanna Russ's When It Changed, um, which was in a a story in 72. And again, Dangerous Visions, um, where there was a human colony planet who a plague had killed off all, all the men and the women were surviving by combining over, um, you know, and then a spaceship full of men came but in this case you know uh, there was a sense of you know, some of the people had a sense of dread because they knew that things were changing and they couldn't change it, uh, they they couldn't stop the things that were going to change in their society because they couldn't stop, you know the this wasn't one spaceship it was you know a a part of a civilization and so they were not going to be able to probably keep their all-female civilization that they had built
2: yeah and, and now i'm also thinking of sherry tepper's work where there's a couple of novels where you have women dominate societies and dealing with men in rather severe ways especially when they try to impinge or change upon the society so 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 She's in conversation with Tip, Truth in conversation with Thrust. It's a whole genre conversation that doesn't get a lot of play. Gotti, be- James
1: not even is now. Children of Men. There's lots of them. It, it, that's all oh, right. Been Catherine into
4: The Last Hawk, um,
1: and P.D. James is a oh, girl yeah, oh,
4: too. Oh by yeah,
2: the that, way. that's
4: yeah. yeah. The Last Hawk is, is well, a matriarchal
2: well, okay, Yeah, yeah. The poor, the poor killer c- crashes on the planet and. Yeah, he, he finds himself. He basically finds himself in a series of romance novel plots, except they're all gender reversed. It's, it's right. delightful,
4: right? And any time he gets indignant about the way he gets treated, it's just, oh, men are just the hysterical, emotional species. That's uh-huh. true. Uh, you know <laughs>
1: what? What's yep. what she's yeah. put on her epitaph uh, at the end of this? She says the second most dangerous. Uh, being? primate. Yeah. yeah, primate. Primate. The second mm-hmm.
2: most famous primate.
1: Right. Oh, by the so way, there was that a little mean
4: that men are the most. Yeah, in I think so. Males I think the males so. are the
1: most. Yep. Um, yep. there was also a, another note about primates in here. There's a little note, uh, quite near the end, about how the rhesus monkeys were also doing it, um, but I think the spider monkeys, maybe it was, weren't.
4: No, I think the chimps were acting against or were being aggressive, but the rhesus monkeys were not.
1: Okay, one or the other. The, the yeah. point was, is it was it was a biological similarity, right? And and right. because of the, she, she talks a lot about, uh, and these are real things, right? They're not um, well discussed at the dinner table, but um, the uh, mating behaviors of human beings and cats and and other animals, right? And how they're you know, she has a theory about it. She actually quotes um uh Fritz Leiber. At one point, there's another author shouted out um for a little quote. But actually, I have um I have some clips I went through uh Twitter and I want to throw these at Scott and Evan and see what they think. <laughs> so, these are what people are saying about uh the Screwfly solution, the story. Uh, on Twitter. This is from uh, 2017. Somebody says, there's a story called The Screwfly Solution. I have spent the last three years wishing people would read it. It's a horror story, and the horror lies not in the people dying, but in the way even the uninfected simply nodded and saw the killing as natural.
0: Well, that is horrifying. (laughs) You know, in in, in all the talk that we just had, you know, we we can't forget that this story here is a It's a horror story, um, you know, where she is examining some social things that are happening, you know, again, turned up to 11. But the result here is not going to be a society where women are alone. The result here is extermination of Mm -hmm. humanity.
1: Right. But, but I also don't so, think I this mean, is, is correct. It is a horror
0: story based on that. What's that?
1: I don't think this is correct. It says people are dying, but in a way that uninfected simply nodded and saw the killing as natural. Yeah. I, I think I the uninfected are the women. And they're, it's not that they're uninfected because there's no infection. It's that yeah. they're not – they can't – it doesn't change their behavior. And, and I they... think the women are
0: horrified. So I think this right. is just false. And, and especially our, our main character is definitely horrified. Right. Well, you yes. do
4: have a lot of people not not maybe not saying it's natural, but saying let it burn it's God's itself God's will, right? Yeah. You 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 have the mm-hmm. you have testimony to committees, but the committees take no action except to set up the camps that turn into you know kill camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, part of definitely for me, part of the horror is that you know people are yelling, bad things are happening, and we need to to take action and no one in authority is willing to take action. They What's, just it's, try.
1: Yeah. It seems like, yeah, I like the mundane aspect of it. It seems like we also don't see most, like they do a little bit more of that in the, the TV adaptation. But uh, for example, when in the TV adaptation, we see one of the characters at the dinner table being called to Florida and driving through, uh, you know, she's in a car flotilla or whatever they're called and she gets stopped, and they that all happens in the story, but it's we're distanced from it, uh, from uh, by the letter and her not being you know so famous. But there's two women in the car, and so it's, it's famous within the story. But she worked for the NIH, right, which is a real organization. So, uh, Triptree is you know, she lived in Washington, uh, her husband was, uh, the guy who briefed the president on what's going on with the cia she used to work for the cia she she knows a lot of like how this stuff actually works but you know once you give the briefing to the president you don't like sit in the room with him while he talks with his uh advisors as to what they're going to do about it you leave so i think that that's kind of part of the interest here is that we're not seeing it from You know, the global, like if they did this as a a movie, they do it as deep impact, you know, where we have a bunch of people in a control room watching television screens as, you know, various things are happening. And we get a little bit of that in the TV adaptation, but it's still much more personal. It's about the phone calls and the intercommunication between people at the dinner table um, as opposed to this, you know, global catastrophe. The say Masters happened?
3: of Horror thing did a really good job with the, uh, I think, like the media too. I mean, mm-hmm. You're just getting like, you're just getting the story. Something weird's happening in India or something yep. going on, and like that. The that was really struck me with the adaptation was the like the execution of what 150 adulteresses in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. That really happens. Oh right? sure. And,
5: and mm-hmm. People don't get
3: worked up about that. No, nope, but we don't but get, get worked on up the about the news. It. You can find very similar headlines. I don't know about the but the, the body count, but it's it's up there. They called it uh, yeah.
1: in in the adaptation. They say so called sh- Sharia law, like it's not a real thing. Um, <laughs> I wanted to uh, uh, give give you some more Michael McKean, you know the guy from uh, the troop of guitarist guys. <laughs> what are they? Turn it up to eleven. What are they called? Um, uh, Spinal Tap. Him. Mm, yeah, he yeah. he tweeted about this story. He said, mm. uh, "Quote hashtag yes all women." Because James Triptey Jr.'s The Screwfly Solution is getting scarier and scarier every day. Uh, That's from 2014. Um, Hmm. And then somebody replied to him saying, "Uh, James Triptey Jr. didn't use her real name, Alice, so her work could be taken seriously. I think that's an overreading. Listen to this one. I'm
4: not sure so it would be taken seriously so much as that she could sell it.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see. Because there's lots of females. You know, Judith... uh, um, what's her name from Merrill from the to- Toronto she you know sold under her real name lots of women did um I think that there's something else lots going of on women
4: there. did but there are studies shown that you know if you submit things anonymously uh to women oh it, yeah and we work. have
1: the story of the Raccoon of Sheldavers and James Trimptree jr right you have, yeah. sort of have to mm-hmm. uh, you have to make a big splash but um I I just don't think that that's the main reason yeah uh, George sand yeah I think everyone
3: Ooh, George Sand was yeah. was a woman, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it it's more to do with yeah their own other reasons. Yes, there's other reasons. Go, yes, there's other reasons. Um, uh, same with Andre Norton. Uh, someone says uh, just saw someone say that the screwfly solution is transphobic. I will be retiring for the night. Thank you. And that was this year. Um, I don't <laughs> <trans-transphobic>.
4: see that <laughs> transphobic.
1: <laughs> and I found oh. the tweet. Um, and it says, "Aha, take." I- Before sleeping, whatever else you can say about it, the screwfly solution is by structure transphobic because it does not consider transness as a quantity at all and relies on a binary opposition of genders. And continues, you could perhaps argue with this take and insist that actually gender binarism is real and meaningful and there's no limit, liminality of gender, but you'd be wrong. I will actually go further and say that the screwfly solution is also structurally queasy in how it understands human sexuality in that it presents men as naturally pedophilic uh, in the absence of adult women towards the end. Uh, And then finally uh, I will, Oh, uh, I think that this is not the intent of the author who herself was bisexual preferring women, but socially compelled into a straight marriage. Ah, ah, but socially compelled into straight marriage, but is certainly what is textually present. All right, so that one I'm throwing at Evan. Yeah, that's
5: <laughs>
3: there's a
1: there's a lot there. Um, I, I,
3: I guess you got to consider the context of the story a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if people in the 70s were thinking too much about. I mean, that wasn't the like, line I, was the sex is much more on her mind, I suppose, right? <laughs> Um I don't know I I just don't know how I feel about like reading transphobia into texts before that's
2: consider tra- it doesn't consider trans people what I mean if which, you want to say
3: the 70s were a transphobic era, I would probably say yeah, you're probably yes. right' probably be true yeah. the, but be that's not that's that, not the
1: argument the argument is that the story is transphobic.
4: Yeah, I can't agree with that, just because at that time and era, it did not consider trans people. It,
2: it, it, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, a fa- it's a failure of imagination by our 20, our 2021 standards, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make it transphobic. It's it's it just doesn't It just doesn't come up. It, I like, know, I know, no.
6: Unaware.
5: Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 this is, is, this is, phobia. is that this phobia? is what's
0: um, so interesting. That's, that's how, what I would say, I feel like the word, you know, phobia sure. has been so overused that it's almost without meaning anymore <laughs> because, um, you know, not mentioning that at all or not considering that in a story just means it's outside the scope of the, what she's exploring. Right. I uh, mean, yeah, it's just, you know, she, she's exploring this. This uh, horrific tendency for people to, you know, to to go to extremes and justify themselves and all, all these other things. Um, but the fact that that's not mentioned in there doesn't it doesn't suggest anything about her stance on uh, transgender at all.
1: No, no. But second see
3: the point the guy makes, who is it that wrote? Uh, this? All the
1: Hallows second, Effie is, is what the,
3: the second point is called. about how they turn on the boys at the end of the story, yes. I'll, Actually,
4: read that. I'll read that again. It is, says
3: is, is presenting a, a very non-binary view of sexuality. Right. That's a good that point. These yeah. kind of urges that we have, we're we're maybe I'm reading I too much into this, but our culture, our 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 context says men should be with women, so their aggression, this hacked sexuality, whatever does it. It's directed towards women first, and then when that's used up, it goes at uh, after others because, you know, at the end of the day, men right. can be a sex respect the men too. Because... It's, a, it's a less binary kind of mm-hmm. sexuality, which I, I think she didn't have to include that at the end of the story. So,
1: No, uh, but see, that's my, my point is she's thinking a hell of a lot about what's going on. She's thinking super hard about, like, what is sexuality? Why am I? She's thinking about this for herself, too, right? In her own life. And that's why a lot of our stories seem to deal with this sort of strange, re- like, really focus on, on a part of science that normally doesn't get a lot of attention in science fiction. Biology. Biology. You know, what is it? What, why why do I have these feelings? Where do they come from? What about my own reaction? Think about in this story about how our hero, Alan, um, thinks about the relationship he had with his wife and how they have a sexual relationship. But it doesn't get good until after their kid is like four years old. And then it yeah, right. it's, turns it's, hot. It's
2: sort of as a, like yeah yeah, friends without even benefits that turns into a sexual
1: marriage. Right. So it's maybe she's writing about her own life, but the important part is after the kid is four and now she's a teenager, right? He starts fantasizing on the airplane. Uh, is very well done in the uh, Masters of Horror adaptation because we didn't. We realize he. We think he's gotten off the airplane. And he's showing up at the house and he's having sex with his wife. And he pulls out a knife and he's right. And, and then he wakes up on the plane and he's, he's, he's crushed the, the Coke can or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and he's like, this is bad. I'm going to, and he makes the phone call saying, I'm not coming. And the wife is like, what? What do you, I don't understand. Are you delayed? And he's like, no, I, you need to kill me if I show up. And then after that, he hangs up and he, he says, well, I have this knife. I should throw it away. Right. And then he says, no, I need to keep it. <laughs> And that's really good, hard SF, right? Because he knows there's something wrong with him, but he can't mm-hmm. stop it. And and he says, well, you know, I mean, what should he do? He should kill himself, I guess. But no, 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 maybe there's hope, you know? And yeah, well, that, that didn't work out well. He ends up killing his own daughter and perhaps even raping his own daughter, right? Oh, yeah. It's really, it's really hardcore. So... What, what's interesting about this, um, this hot take on, on, um, on this story is that it's actually slightly misreading, uh, what's going on. I don't think, I, I'm gonna read that section again. I will go further and say that Screwfly's solution is also structurally queasy in how it understands human sexuality. I, I don't think that that's, uh, wrong. I think it is kind of queasy when you yeah. think about how, uh, this aggression and, uh you know the chase mentality which is real it's not fake um works you know she talks about uh ovulation in some animals needs this right not not in humans but that's that's the logic here right and then it goes on to say it understands human sexuality in that it presents men as naturally pedophilic in the absence of adult women towards the end um this is this is, you know, it sounds a little bit Kinsey sort of stuff. Um, but I think the point is not actually that men are pedophilic. I think that the f- absence of girls and the absence of boys is because they're weaker. They've been killed off. So one, one thing I was thinking about why the boy was missing is that the men who were with him predated upon him, right? And, and that's because they one of them, or more of them, was sexually attracted. And the other ones just think it's natural, right? Um, there, there was actually a story somebody retweeted this week about uh, artificial wombs. And this is something, you know, that Heinlein had th- dealt with in uh, Podcane of Mars and other stuff. The idea that you, you can put people, uh, freeze your eggs, which is a real thing, right? Freeze your zygotes, sort of a real thing. Um, and also, not even carry the baby. We won't need men, right? What? Is the idea we want? weed women, and the, there are the science fiction replicators. Yeah, there's there's and, science and, and fiction that stories that deal free, with that. Which
2: I know is the only Buzo-Bold book you like.
1: No, it's I haven't read it either. I, I well,
2: I've, I'm, I've read messing up with somebody else. I thought it was the only. No, because it's you it's, like it's the
1: it's more standalone, and it's it's also good for people who are into unions. So I, I haven't read it either.
4: But and I, it has an engineer as a hero, whereas the other stories, yeah. Are miles. yeah more miles or less military. Well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So uh that my point is just that um uh, people got wrong takes and, and it brings out interesting things. I wanna point out something really interesting though. This is from uh twenty fourteen. Somebody says named Graham Slight, he says, rereading Tree's The Screwfly Solution, it really is the most devastating counter argument to quote unquote not all men. This is from 2014, right? And then in, uh, in 2019, we got an episode called of the Twilight Zone called Not All Men. So I'm not super familiar with this hashtag, Not All Men. I'm sure Paul or Trish, you could tell me about it. Um, but what's interesting is it seems to be like they are connected, right? Somebody thought this. And Graham slide is not the author of the script of this. So can can anybody tell me what "not all men" it was something to do with the hashtag? Um, it,
2: it it it's uh, it's basically uh, hashtag, right? An expression that men will put out when women 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 uh, bring up uh, problems of of discrimination. Is basically? Ha- not all men are like that is not all men is short but not all men are like that. And so it's got shortened to not all men basically saying, well, I don't do it, which is so not the, was this not
4: the bleeping point? Yeah. It's- um, so it's, it, it more or less, I think got traction after the me too, with ah, right. all the women okay. talking about how they had been, uh, sexually harassed and, and stuff. Um, and, uh, then, you know, the defensive reaction is to say, you know, I am in. I'm not like that. Not all men are like that. But it got used so much to as a reaction that uh, downgraded the impact of Me Too. It, you know, it, it became to sound, it, it, it became um, seen as a reaction that was trying to, uh, if not belittle to at least downgrade how widespread and important the problem was, because Hey, not all men are you going me, to try me, to harass you. And reminds stuff. me of like black lives um, and matters so and becomes, blue lives matters. You know, it like can that. It can be not right. just a defensive reaction, but also it now can be used sarcastically uh, by women or, or others who, you know, I throw that out as guess that's how the Twilight you Zone know, uses
1: it, too, right? You're just yeah.
4: being defensive, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: but but the point of, of Sheldon and or... And your
4: defensiveness Raccoon... is is undermining the the awareness of the problem. Trip G
1: Jr.'s argument is hashtag all men, right? <laughs> whereas, right. whereas the other one's saying, no, no, there's some good ones.
4: <laughs> right, well, I don't think that Tip- is not to be arguing that men are aggressive and evil, it's, you know, all human beings have aggressive seeds in them. Um, but uh, you know, in in her story, you had some women uh stealing a plane and bombing Dallas. Um, so everybody has some aggression in them and I think it's a mistake to say this story is saying that men are evil. <laughs> well, unfair. in this
1: story they are. Right? Silly <laughs>
4: interpretation of the story. But no, you know, in, in the story they that, are, you know, right? We all need to watch out for these uh seeds of violence and yes there are systemic things. A lot of religions are basically mis- misogynistic in structure and it, that way it becomes very very easy to twist into you know, a, a, well, a jihad against women.
1: No, but uh, my point is, is she is saying all men are evil in this story. Not not just in general, they're, they are uh, this hormone or enzyme or whatever it is, because it's never revealed what it is, right?
4: Well, she's not saying they're evil at all. Their choice is being taken <sighs> away from them. And in order to do evil, you have to choose evil
1: well, see, but no, I think that's—I huh? think that's the argument of not all men. They're saying it is a choice, whereas I think what she's yeah, but, saying yeah, is no, 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 no. that we are biologically determined, and that is uh, fucking scary, uh, and that means that well, we have this. Well, I that
4: human beings are yeah. more than just their bi- biology. Yes, yes. Are you are influences.
1: you saying that, or are you saying she's saying that? Because I don't think she's saying that at all. I think I she's I saying, think they their, saying they are their—they are their biology. She's and that's why that it's so scary. It
4: is a weakness that aliens could use to get us to kill
0: <laughs> them all ourselves. She's
4: not saying. I don't think she we believes are in aliens, all, you know, condemned by our biology to be evil. <laughs> that's not well, that I all agree with that's that too,
0: because Jesse, if she was saying that, then why have the aliens as the mediator here? Oh, yeah. is like I think that that's the point of the story is right, that if
4: we're all evil, you don't even need an alien with a disease. Right. You could just have a cult. And
1: it's see, not a it's, disease. It's
4: just,
1: not. Just it's just not go. really a disease, right? And if you had well, a cult, whatever
4: it is, some kind of infection mechanism.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hormone that disrupts our behavior in the same way that we disrupted the, the screw fly, right? Right. And the the point of that is is we, we don't say the the flies are evil that they're they're you know the males are attacking the females or anything like that. We don't say that, but on the ground. If that's happening to you, somebody's coming at you with a knife, we think of we, – we normally uh, – you and me would think of that as evil. And I think that's the point of what she's saying is that it's – isn't it horrifying that we are biologically determined? And th- that's what this story does is it says like, oh my god, what if this – what if this idea that we're biologically determined is true? Or is the other one saying it's a choice? And the thing is, is no, that, that is that, that, really not is not a massive not a choice, dichotomy. Jesse. I'm
2: sorry. Jesse, the way I read not All Man* is not that it's a choice. The, the way I read No Man* is like, oh, I'm talking well, about the, the adaptation. That. Therefore, there's therefore not, there's no problem with society. That's that's why we read, read *I Know Man*. Not but honestly. you're you're but talking well, about you the hashtag, right? You can't blame me. You can't blame me for for society's problems. I'm a good one. I'm a good guy. Therefore, don't blame me because society is so twisted and patriarchal and aggressive against women. Don't blame me. That's not all men is a defense by a man saying like, oh, not my deal. Don't, don't, don't blame me. Don't blame me. That's what not all men is the way I read it. It's basically a cop out actually wanting to, to deal with structural patriarchy and sex and sexism against women rather than yeah. anything else. It's basically not all- washing hands, washing hands of like, not my fault yeah but I, I'm, I'm talking I'm guy. talking about the sh- yeah, the, not the, all the adaptation like, not, my not the I'm
1: yeah, <laughs> not the talking adaptation. about the hashtag by the way,
2: it's not my problem
1: I'm talking about the adaptation uh, that's right, right, on right, the Twilight right, Zone, which to- is an adaptation of of the episode of the Screwfly Fly solution It's not an adaptation of reality, right it's saying I it, it's explicitly rejecting the idea that Triptree Jr has that is adapted into the the TV show and it's saying opposite it says it is a choice. And the thing is, is that is a very different idea, right? If if I'm biologically determined to do something, that that's uh, a reality. If you're saying no, it's your choice to do something, then that's a, a different reality. And I think one is much scarier than the other. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's if it's a choice to go around attack being aggro. Or, uh, being a murderer or a rapist or whatever, then we just choose not to do it. We should choose not. We should be, we should summon the will or whatever it is. But I think the point that she's making, Alice Sheldon, aka James Tripchi Jr., um, is a raccoon of Sheldon, right? The point she's making is that what if we are biologically determined to do everything? Uh, just a little tweak in our, enzymes or hormones or you know you, you think of it as an mRNA uh, uh, injection right um, it's it takes your body and it just twists it a little bit to do something if that's true and even our nice uh, guy who loves his wife and his li- wife loves him and he comes home and he not just not only um, murders his wife wa- uh, tries to murder his wife he, he murders and rapes his own daughter that's a hard
0: bitter pill to swallow well, if you're saying that she is saying that, wouldn't that be horrifying if we were? Then yeah, I can go there with you. Yeah, and she might. She I don't might, think she's saying that we are in reality. Well, I think that, I that that's. Think, I
1: think that that's what the story is suggesting, and I'm not saying the story is a, a, a scientific fact. I'm just saying yeah, that's I'm, that's I, as I presented. I don't
0: think it is suggesting that because you know, as a person who reads that, what it does to me is it helps me make choices you know what i'm saying by by turning that up to 11 like i said earlier you're seeing this in all its horror in in an extreme way right we've got some of that in the world today right some of that and it makes me want to choose the opposite right It, it makes me want to uh influence the in the opposite direction you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. I think that you know it's a pointless story if we don't have choices in reality.
4: Right. The horror is that the choices are taken away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah, with that.
4: Yeah. Or the I, illusion I you know,
1: of choices is taken away. I think away.
4: you're you're suggesting that that
2: Tip thesis is that bu- the biological determinism is absolute, and what if and what if we follow the consequences of that? And I'm not sure that was the. That's well, what you're think,
1: reading as what the about the screw flies or the other kind of flies in the story do they choose to not mate with the heads of the right we would say well they're just flies right but the point is is we're pretty complex we think are we are we saying we're not biological in the same way they are and I would say well yeah we write stories right
2: I I, I think you can make an argument that she's suggesting that we're not as complicated as as we think, but I'm not saying, I'm not thinking that she's going for true, true 100% biological determinism. I yes, we are, we are. I think we are
1: that's just exactly to what you're saying.
2: Hormones. Say.
1: Yes, we are slaves and to our and hormones. There's no,
2: and there's no escape. If,
1: if there was a, if, if there was a character who says, you know what? Uh, I got this serious problem. I'm going to kill myself, but he doesn't. Right.
2: It, it is, a, it is a short story. And we, we don't have the right points of view for that. For all we know, there are men in this
1: world. <laughs> You're reading that. stuff into the story that's not actually there, though, right? No. By saying, no, for all no, we know, there's a character out there who does exactly what Jesse's suggesting. I, 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 I'm just reading the story and saying, look, it's really hard. It's it's hard, as in noir. It's it's not pulling its punches. Evan, what do you what do you think? Is this a biological determinism story, or is this a um, uh, mostly biologically determined.
3: It's biologically determined story, and yeah, that's that's my. I love this story, but mm-hmm. my, I guess my intellectual problem with it is, it does do that. I, I think we're not biologically determined. I think
1: I think we're influenced by stories. Or Even
3: so, like <laughs> where who we or what we think we're closer to like are we closer to chimps or the what's the other monkey the rhesus monkey yeah mm-hmm. i guess we're closer to chimps but bonobos aren't mentioned yeah here. and that are well, bonobos strange. are bonobo males killing the the, the females
1: no it's the but other way around right? they're actually the chimps don't right was right? too not not in the story well, it's not mentioned but yeah, I mean, they,
3: she, she maybe doesn't know about them, but that sounds right. I, I, I'm not sure when the research was done on them, but they're very similar to us, as close to us as chimps, but very different socially than, than chimps. So.
1: Yeah, their switch is turned in a different direction,
3: right? Then yeah,
1: chimps. they're the ones who
3: have have sex as a way of saying hello, or
1: yeah.
3: Bottom, well, like, the chimps. We have will, a dispute we'll over the sandwich. The baby.
1: Let's have sex to settle it.
3: <laughs> yeah, and the chips eat the babies, of so right. like, little males and things, right? So, but uh, uh, but she ends on that I mean, note. You it, know, the, main, the second but most generally, I I think I think what I what I've been struck by the more I read history is just how much institutions and ideologies shape how we not only interpret biological things, but how we can even overcome them and transcend them
1: and we do we we invent technologies like the birth control pill right that yeah change society and that's what science fiction is is it says hey what about these tech technologies what about these new realizations what will they do to change our human behavior and for a lot of people nothing changes right uh they don't use those birth control pills they reject them or they don't think about geology and how old the earth is it just you know it just doesn't factor into what their their processing is but for some people it is important and for some people it's it's life-changing it's it's a very good science fiction story and it's and because of because of the uh, nature of it, it it's actually it's harder. Then H.G. Wells is the time machine, which has a much softer ending, right? We were saved by the biological pests we don't like, right? It wasn't anything our doing. You mean
4: the War of the Worlds?
1: Yeah, the War of the Worlds. What did I say? Time, time machine. machine. Yeah. <laughs> time machine. Yeah. Um, we're saved by the uh, the bacteria. It's them who save us. Whereas here... It, possibly it's the bacteria that, that kills us and it's the same sort of thing we were doing to the the animals so it's it's even harder right we, we get the sense at the end of the uh, war of the worlds that maybe humans are going to go take the war to Mars you know strike back but I'm <laughs> um, here um, there's no there's <laughs> she's holding out hope for a possibility maybe somebody's working on something somewhere but no, it's a real estate agent. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> They're just like sprucing up the place before they move in. Oh, hard. And guys so get, good. One, one hour to read. Right? Yep. That's what, that's real science fiction for you. Not that fake stuff that's sixteen books long and doesn't have half the idea in here. It's not
4: fake; it's just different.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's fake science, is what I'm saying. This is this is like she's she knows stuff, right? What's so interesting to me is if you look at that uh, the for opening lines, right? The young man sitting at two degrees north, seventy five degrees west. That's a real place. It's in Colombia. It's not fake. She, she was a, you know, CIA agent for a bit and her husband was. They go to these places. They do these, uh, anthropology and, um, you know, the WHO. They do inoculations. They do all this stuff in order to gather information, to bring it back and brief the people in charge as to what's going on. And that is different than just, you know, sitting in your house having read. Uh, or watch even worse just watched an episode of the masters of horror and saying
6: i can write a story
1: <laughs> well, because you just don't you don't you bring, bring anything to the table in the same way there's um you know her and um another author who's hard like her is cordwainer smith both cia agents right they go places and you know when she was a kid if you look into her Uh, biography she was like off in africa with her parents right this is Mm -hmm. this is um a person who has worldly experience it isn't talking about the horse latitudes i would never heard of that expression before this story she's bringing you need to read more (laughs) oh i do i read a lot trish i'm just saying i'm just saying the idea of you know bringing uh experience to the table is a good idea for making stories really good and it isn't because she's a girl. It's because she's a girl who knew stuff and went places and and thought real hard and probably had some natural gift of uh, writing as well. Apparently, uh, she wasn't really happy with the novel format, but she seems pretty terrific with the sh- uh, long, short story format. Based on this story. I'd, I'd happily do uh, Houston, Houston, do you read or whatever. Um, sure the one uh men this what's the one the women men don't see is another one that's pretty famous by her
4: Mm -hmm. yep Yep. those are both very good Mm -hmm. i i'd
2: be up for doing another tip tree because we we got some really juicy discussion out of this one and this one's just one short hour Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i've
1: uh, i've uh, there is a tv adaptation of the woman who was plugged in as well but um it's pretty bad Mm Um, I'm not saying the story's bad. I, I haven't read the story, but the TV adaptation is pretty bad. Filmed at my university. Again, British Columbia. Standing in for some random place.
2: You should be happy that British Columbian uh, economy is being boosted by all these adaptations that are being set there.
1: It's semi-interesting. Not happy about it. But I, some of my friends got work out of it.
4: All right. I'd just like to say well, mm-hmm. a, one more thing. Um, the story made me think of the tendency to try to externalize evil, um, where, you know, I've just been arguing that, you know, it's, it's the aliens who are exaggerating humans' bad tendencies. But I was also thinking about how, you know, some religions uh, have, um, you know, Antagonists who are trying to fight God. So, for instance, you're not bad. The devil is trying to put bad thoughts in your head, mm-hmm. and in a way that's, um, it seems like that is trying to avoid responsibility for your own thoughts and feelings. But on the other hand, maybe it's a lot easier to fight when you th- to, to fight those tendencies when you think it's an external. That's Alcohol
1: Anonymous' that plan, right? You are weak. You need to submit to God's plan. God wants you to not be a drinker um, uh, except the higher power, right? Because you're weak. Right. And it seems like here it's the opposite, right? It's uh, it's like, ah, oh, suddenly I understood, right? Oh, these religious pamphlets make so much more sense now that my feelings, right?
5: Mm-hmm
1: now that i I hate women, <laughs> I want to murder them. This pamphlet saying that hating women is right, and uh you know, there's a quote on a sign in the adaptation uh, from Genesis three sixteen. I looked it up and it was like, um uh women, your job is to feel the pain of childbirth and and obey your husbands <laughs> It's like people grasp at anything to support their their vision, but we're also inspired by words, right? And, and so it, it, short stories are a technology for delivering uh, a certain kind of um, medicine to your brain. Maybe I think, and that's why you got to read the good stuff. Don't take the bad medicine. Don't be anti, anti good story.
4: <laughs> I don't think anyone here is anti-good stuff. Uh,
1: some people are willing to put anything into their bodies, Trish.
4: <laughs> Very diluted.
2: You make it sound like it's an injection. Inject the short story. It is. Like, wow. a,
1: a good short story, a good science fiction is a vaccination against reading long, terrible uh series that <laughs> <laughs> do you wrong?
0: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com and thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com/sffaudio. When is my next? The
1: next one for Scott is not listed as far as I can see. we've got nothing on the Scott schedule. Um next week is The Mystery of Selmare. This is a Weird Tales story. It's probably an hour or so. Um, and it's uh set in Florida. It uh is pretty good, pretty interesting. Lovecraft said uh some good things about it. I've read it. And uh hmm. there's an audiobook of it. Connor's Saturday, on for that one. Yeah, so The Bane so, of yeah, Paul's so time. Yeah, yep, yep. Because I yep, I'll be playing root. So Alright. Um oh, we do have a Scott on the schedule there. But that I think Yeah, we have be, a Paul
2: Anderson coming up. I, a think, week after I that. think that is
1: yes. No, see, that is um not me though. That's that's a Planet Story, so I'm gonna oh, change I, that. Oh it's
2: Planet Story. Yeah. Oh.
1: So I oh, will sorry. be on that, but I'm not um Oh, not, and, 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 then, and, then next,
2: and then next Saturday, after, in the Saturday afternoon of the 6th, there's another
1: no, that's the movie. same. that's the same day.
2: Yeah, right, that's right. So, but it's another Saturday. I can't make because I'll be game oh, okay. probable. The Strange High House in the Mist by H.P. Lovecraft. Right. Which is sad, but, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's for. Jesse, is this
4: correct that you're doing two podcasts on, on the one 6th? Day.
1: Yeah. 8 a.m. Okay. and 4 p.m. yeah, yeah,
2: Planet but, Stories is. But both of them is, are short, well, so. so, double yeah. podcast.
1: Yeah, I did yeah. F- almost. I did five one week. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, four is uh, possible too, especially if I do two on a, one on a Sunday and one on a Saturday. You know, on opposite sides of the week, and then you do two uh, recordings of reading short and deep in the middle. It happens, but fives, fives only happen once. All right. Um, so strange high house in the mist is there. Trish is on for that. Evan's on for that. Um, I'm going to send you, Evan, since you're still quarantined for a while, right? How many more years? Just three more days. Three mo- oh, okay. That's not so bad. Um, hopefully you don't take your, uh, your aggression, uh, at the quarantine out on your wife and, and, uh, daughter <laughs> after I can't put reading this I story. Yeah. Throw the knife away. Evan, throw him the knife. <laughs> 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 Call them up. No, it's
3: China in a way because, like, I was so excited to come back to Taiwan, but uh-huh. they stick you in prison for two weeks. Well, you'll and be subject up. to to bureaucrats who think they know what's best. It's
1: crazy. Well, wow. you're not seeing the big picture.
3: Four tests. I, I mean. I, four covid tests in this process wow wow two weeks which i I, i've been here i I can't think of any reason for this except because tourism is down the government wants to bail out the hotels or something you'd think by opening up they would get a lot of business just open up yeah. yeah you have like no cases yeah they'll have like like the reports like local cases there's almost none there's, like, imported cases, but those people are in quarantine like me, right? But mm. mm-hmm. so they're not going to be spreading it around. you think they could open up, but, you know, it's – they got this zero COVID delusion, so. And they do. I mean, you can, you can have zero COVID if you're doing what they're doing, but it's, it's not good.
1: And then they get everybody inoculated, and then they
3: wait six months, and then – and then they, when they do open up, then there's going to be COVID all yeah. over the fucking. It's yeah. like New yeah. Zealand had yeah. this issue, right? Yeah. So you can Australia. lock down forever and never yeah. get it. Yeah, you Make just put yourself on the moon; <laughs> you'll never get. Yeah. it. <laughs> but it, it's there. There is this debate going on. It seems among not so much the epidemiology control people, but among the politicians over whether like we should just like.
1: Are we seriously Except fucked up here. I think we still fucked up. Or,
3: yeah,
2: just you, yeah, just keep locked up. Hashtag up. not all COVID.
3: It's it's ridiculous. There's, there's no reason I should still be here. You know, like after I've had I've had two COVID tests. I get a I get my another one tomorrow, and then I have to take one on the the first. I think the first of November, okay. which they gave me the kit for.
1: Okay.
0: Hey, Jesse, I just um, – it looks to me like we've never talked about anything by John Wyndham. Um, like I, yeah, we I think we did. We've never talked. I think we did. I'm looking Dan in the – the, I just searched for it on the podcast page and found nothing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Triffids doesn't seem to be there. You know, well,
2: well, well, Trish has to be on there. For, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. right. For that, for that show, it has to be on
0: Are you
1: a Wyndham fan? Triffids yeah. is good. I did. Yeah, yeah it is, but it's very, very familiar. So uh, I'm like, can't we do one that's more obscure? Because I, I know Triffitt's backwards and forwards. I'm sure I'll not say that if we did it, but I, like mm-hmm. he's got a lot of other stuff. Like I was thinking the Midwich Cuckoos would be good because I haven't read mm-hmm. that one, but I have read uh, you know the one that's set in Newfoundland, and it's still yes. very prominent in my brain.
0: I don't see Windham. I look for Wyndham, Triffids, and Midwich, and none of that is there.
1: Uh yeah, it's not there. You're right. That's interesting. But how far back does this go? Uh, it goes all the way back to episodes. All the way one. back to day or one. one. Yeah, <laughs> it's five hundred and sixty something episodes, I think. Yeah, no, uh, that's interesting. But I, I would have, I, I must have reviewed them, is what it is. But, Maybe. Uh, but, um, what, what's the? There's the Midwich Cuckoos is has another name as a movie right
4: village of the damned right yeah, right no, uh, which right, is filmed twice
1: right. which is alien mm-hmm. invasion right um by proxy kind of mm-hmm. um yeah i i'm just like i know Triffid so well i don't think i would profit from reading it again because i think about it i i know the beginning it's very much like walking dead right the opening of the walking dead yeah. and oh, de- 28 yeah. days later <laughs> and many many other mm-hmm. things and I, you know, I remember the ending. They go, I think it's the Isle of Man they go to, and they settle in. And then there's a sequel book by another hand called Night of the Triffids*, where it didn't really need to be written. I'm just thinking, I, it's I so know well like known. And there's, a, doesn't he have a uh, a Leviathan sort of sea monster one as well? The
4: Kraken wakes.
1: The Kraken wakes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that any good?
4: Um. Uh, I have actually not read the original. I listened to a BBC radio adaptation yeah, of there's it, a CBC which I really radio enjoyed.
0: one as well. Didn't he do one called Chalky? Yes. He did. I was, know nothing like, of that yeah, one. The BBC radio adaptation reminded me of that cuz I, I think I reviewed it. believe that one that. is
1: a little bit like um it's a it's like brilliant or you know some sort of brain enhancement book. I'm not sure.
4: There's also The Chrysalids, which some
1: people... Yeah, I know that one really well, too. And it's a great book. But um, And I believe that that one, uh, most of his stuff is public domain, but getting the uh, public domain audiobooks seems to be an issue. Uh, People don't want to write, you know, narrate big, long novels for me. They'll do short stories, but (laughs) novels are a lot of work. (laughs) I guess they're not even that long, are they?
4: Oh, he! Oh, he! Well, I don't oh, think any of this would be public yeah, domain, would it? It's all unless public domain. This is yeah. a state let it slip. No, no, well, it's what all about public
2: Story of John Wyndham, like say, Sleepers of Mars or Stowaway to Mars. Uh, I,
1: I, I if you go to the PDF page, there's 13 items, but all everything is public domain, Trish, because it's all uh, he's been dead for 50 years in Canada. So, like, that's not the issue. The issue is is getting the audio. Um, for something a little more obscure. So, I even have uh, Chrysalids uh, serialized in Argosy, which is a slightly different version uh, than the later publications. Fif- only 59 pages long. Um, and there are a lot How of about, shorter stories.
0: Uh, another possibility what about The Long Tomorrow by Lee Brackett?
1: I'll be out down for that. I, I, I did want to mention, and this one I think you should be very excited about, Scott. Um, somebody, I don't know if I sent it to you. Somebody, uh, made, uh, the first C.S. Lewis pre-Landra book, uh, sound really mm-hmm. good. Cool. Um, it's and, very good. Yeah. And yeah. I believe that's public domain as well, yeah. but, um, I have not, I'm
0: pretty sure. I don't no, know if it is. I don't know. If there's no audio Those are, those are really good books, but there, um, there is a it good story. Yep. Yeah.
1: And books on tape. Uh, there's a version of that. It's not public domain, but it's on archive.org and it sounds really good. Um, so see so that as. would
2: be, that would be, um, oh, wait, wait, so the first I so think it's Pre or something, yeah. Yeah, it must be out of the I, out uh, of yeah,
1: silent. Of the si- yeah, that's right. It's out of the out silent, silent planet, one. yeah. Let me see if I can find that tweet because um, it, it, it was talking about it being uh, his response to Plato's Republic. And I was thinking that would be a good one to do too. There,
2: there is a, um audible version of Out of the Southern Planet. Yeah. So, audible, or audio is, I mean, audio may be in public domain, but audio is available. And I yeah. would be up for doing it's that. It's up because on Because really, I, I especially would like to talk to Scott about that because I think we've an interesting mm. perspective. Uh, have you CS- read the
0: whole yeah, series? It's, it's super Catholic.
1: Have you read the whole yeah. series? I have, yeah. Long ago. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. yeah,
0: the Catholic guys have read it.
1: Evan, have you read <laughs> it?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Evan, have you read it? I, I, I uh, tried. tried. Oh, I, he's a um, he's not American. That's why you don't like him. I, I tried. <laughs> uh, no, I I've been thinking uh, maybe I'll I'll
3: I'll be willing to read some English writers. I've been thinking I got to read <laughs> E. R. Edison at some point.
1: Yeah, the uh, Worm Aurora Boris. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um,
3: has there's so many great Americans to read.
1: I I agree, but you can do those on your podcast.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, Heinlein and Kim Stanley Robinson. I'm looking forward to the Kim Stanley Robinson read-through. I'm just reading them for fun. I I, know. I, I might do Poe. I I, I Poe, I, come on, you gotta do Poe. to do Poe. You have to do Poe. There's no question. Well, like, if it's, if, it's if it's just when I do it, do yeah. I do it?
3: Is it short term or long term? He's got a lot of good stuff. The Mars stuff is good. We, red Mars, I, I think. Too. Oh
0: man, so that would long, be, man. That'd be cool. There's an it's endless so amount of stuff to talk about in those. Uh,
1: so long, you'll have yeah. to twist my arm. And I, I haven't,
0: know. I haven't read. I've read the first one, but I don't think I've read the other two. Oh,
3: yeah, I think the first one has the enough ideas and. You
0: know, yeah, and it's yeah
3: good. The second and third get more into the terraforming stuff. And just kind of extend the other ideas. So, the, the red— Mar- that's why I wanted to reread Red Mars before I got
0: back into Green Mars.
3: Mm. But it all came back to me eventually.
0: Yeah, I'm texting with someone who watched Dune in the movie theater last night, uh-huh. and he said he was with uh, two friends and that hadn't ever read Dune, and mm. they loved it. Oh, so I, I watched it, and I, I didn't think it was confusing you, you watched, know but you i watched the, the story is super familiar yeah okay i watched a new one on it's on hbo max so okay. i watched it here at home and your verdict um, is it, it's a pretty darn faithful adaptation and will jesse and it's like it very very nice looking very will serious jesse like it well, I don't know <laughs> i have not modeled it just it's a good adaptation so I think he probably would oh I hope to
1: like it what 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 about the the one of the trigger things that made me think oh my god that's stupid was they they flipped the Liet Kynes character for some reason
0: yeah they did but I don't know there the fact problem no I don't think so
1: okay yeah. well wasn't he supposed to be Channy's dad
0: uh yeah, possibly, but I don't. I don't recall that. So detail. now, Chani's mom. Maybe so. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah,
1: I might have to. I might have to find a few tables to flip. <laughs>
0: Jesse, go no. in the
1: temple. Flipping Jesse, tables. No. <laughs> no,
0: no, no no, no, no. I was thinking Thor, not mm-hmm. not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> so I'm looking at a uh, book here. It's called. Um, I think Jesse has seen this book before. I'm sorry. Let me get to where the title well, is.
1: I'm going to guess it's a Brian Murphy book.
0: No, no. Oh. Uh, science science fiction 100 Best SF Novels by oh. David Pringle I from uh, an English language selection 19, 1949 to
1: 1984.
0: Uh-huh. And I'm just looking at this for uh, ideas. And there's uh-huh. some books I haven't heard of on here. like And like, maybe you all have. Like uh, Limbo by Bernard Wolfe. That's public domain. Uh, what is it? Anybody?
2: Uh, no? I, that one I'm not familiar with.
0: Okay, how about The Paradox it's on the Man PDF by Charles Harness? Bring the Jubilee by Ward Moore.
2: I, I, I've read Bring the Jubilee. That's There a, is a um, Ward Moore a, on, that's on that's LibreVox, history novel. not
0: that one. Okay. Um, This is one I've heard of, but I know nothing about. A Mirror for Observers by Pangborn. Edgar Pangborn. I've heard that title, but I don't know anything about it. And The Long Tomorrow is on here. The Long Tomorrow by Lee Brackett. Um, the Death of Grass. Didn't you guys do that? Yeah, that's a good one. Did that with Jenny. Okay. Um, The City and the Stars. Has that been done? It's been done. That's a nice... That's a small one. It's good. Okay. That's great. Good. Uh, Midwich Cuckoos you. is on here. That's... The Midwich Cuckoos and Triffids is on here. Both.
1: I, I'll, I'll... If somebody wants to sign up for Midwich, I'll do it. I
0: just... I'm happy. I, I would love to. Well, sure. you Find not, this you, Saturday that, that that'll
1: work for you or whenever the nuns allow you out on the weekend.
0: Okay. that's good. <laughs> Next <laughs> date is like
1: December. He is yeah. prisoner of Zenda. Yeah.
2: That's a different
1: thing. Uh, so the second weekend of December is the first open weekend. <laughs> that's awesome. Which
0: would the be the second, let's see. Oh, Sorry. It should
1: be um, go. the fifth. Uh No, no, the 12th or the 11th, if you do a Saturday.
0: Does that work for you, Trish? uh Yeah, should. 12, 11, it looks like. Yeah, that's a Saturday. 11 of 2021? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm putting it on there. And Paul, you in?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: um Evan, are you in on that one? Midwich Cuckoos. The Midwich Cuckoos. There might be a couple of movie adaptations you need to
1: watch. One by John Carpenter. And you don't actually have to watch them, but I will probably. John Carpenter be forced made
2: to. a movie of this? Yeah. The boy, uh, yeah, the, uh, Village of the Damned. Yeah. Village of the Damned. Oh, okay. Then I'm in. There you go. All Good. right. See, there's
1: your American connection.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, is there a more American filmmaker, Evan, than John Carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there that. probably is. <laughs> there, mm-hmm. Spike Lee. Spike Lee? Oh, yeah, I guess he's very American, isn't he? A little too American, if you know what I mean. I don't like his movies that much. I don't know, that seems such a banal, like,
3: claim. Someone's the most American.
1: No, but I think the, the Heinlein like Jack one. Jack
3: London is, might be the most American writer.
1: No, no, he's international too, <laughs> right? He's He's writing about things going on in Korea, and he's writing about the Yukon.
3: That's what makes him American. Ah, he's
1: exceptional. I get it, <laughs> and he's a communist. It's therefore, Empire. he's all American. Whereas Heinlein is not a communist. Therefore, not American. No, whatever
3: I'm reading, someone like I'm reading, I'm reading a uh, Sinclair Lewis. I'm like, wow, that's he's really pretty American. American. He's he's
1: really American.
3: That's really really American. Like
1: yeah. fucking called Main Street, man. Um, well, I, um, I'm looking forward to when your uh, audiobook drops. The um the Mr. Adam book, because that was a really good show, and that was a good book. Really good book. Yeah. Let's see how far away that is. I, I'm, like, looking forward to the show notes on that one. Let's see. We recorded... Yeah, that was a good...
0: How good about uh, The Female Man by Joanna Russ? Somebody... Uh, I, think, I think I heard of that.
1: Yeah, I no, I, read I, it. I think there was a tweet yesterday, and I think I offended... Oh, no, it was Will I offended. I ha- He sent... He, I, uh, oh, yeah, it was Joanna... Did you guys see this letter mm-hmm. that I know? I know Paul didn't. Oh, no, Scott didn't. But I think, I think I sent it to Paul and Evan. Um, Trish, I didn't send it to you. I don't think. Um, it was Philip K. Dick apolog, uh, no, it wasn't apologizing. Philip K. Dick responding to an, uh, in an open letter in the seventies to, uh, s- Joanna Russ calling him, uh, a closeted homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, it's because he, 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 uh, was reading a Stanislaw Lem book, um, <laughs> and, uh, the character, um, <laughs> rapes a sewing machine because he's in space and there's no women <laughs> <living> around. <laughs> and he thought that was really funny. And uh when he said that in his speech or whatever, she said he was a closeted homosexual or something. And then Paul Anderson <laughs> did, a, did a big defense of him. But if you read the letter, it's super funny. Because he starts off saying, um, I am in no way a closeted homosexual. Um And I uh, fundamentally disagree with this in his very unique Philip K. Dickian way. And he says, on the other hand, I see her point. <laughs> And then at the end, he's saying, you know, she was really in the right to call me out. <laughs> uh, uh, he starts yeah. off offended, changes to seeing it kind of being reasonable. And then like, he's wholly on her side. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's ironic. It's just like on his back. He's not trying to be funny. He's just hilarious because his brain's so broken. Um, and so, um, <laughs> I, I sent that to Will, um, uh, and, he says, I still haven't read the female man. And I said, and this is why I don't send things to Paul by DM. Um I said, it's called trans now, Will. <laughs> and he said, I'm offended by that. And I'm like, well, I can't tell if that's a, a, a smiley offended or a um a, a non smiley offended. Because it's direct message. Um and he's oh no, I, I think he said, I don't find that joke funny, which sounds pretty harsh and uh, and i said i don't either (laughs) 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 because it's that's not what the book's about as far as i know it's it's more feminism than it is about uh trans stuff but you know that's that's my point is that um person reading uh the um screwfly solution and thinking it's anti-trans is bringing their own stuff to it so much that they can't see what the story's
0: about.
2: It's bringing it's bringing a lens to things that are not there and seeing it just through that lens. It's kind it's kind of like putting a filter in front of a camera and just seeing one wavelength of light and thinking yeah, that's the entirety it's like of the you're, experience. You read
1: it and you say, "This is not in Esperanto." <laughs> true it is very true it's not an esperanto but it deals with international relations in the future how could it not
3: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah uh, well there are, there are people who who have that attitude right they really love their esperanto but it's not they happening really love guys
2: their Esperanto.
1: they do have you yeah, not seen esperanto twitter know.
2: No, no, no! I have not. I don't think I want to either. I think I, I think I live happily half- like with that. that. Oh.
0: Well, I'm questioning this list of 100 now because Oath of Fealty is on it. Yeah.
1: Oh dear God! It's not
0: a great book. It, not a, it's what? right on there. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah, the, premise Mr. and Mr. a bad Mr. book.
2: Mr. It's
0: right in between The Unreasoning Mask by Philip Jose Farmer and No Enemy But Time by Michael Bishop two more books i haven't read that,
1: that, that,
2: i mean i mean i know doing these lists is impossible because mm-hmm. it's just so much and you're going to miss stuff and you're going to mm-hmm. bring your own biases no matter how hard you try but oath of fealty <laughs>
1: really we did a show on no. it because i hadn't read it and i think it's a pretty mm-hmm. bad book uh, dream it's, dream parks also a bad book mm-hmm. it's not um, it should be good but it's not tri- it's yeah, interesting dream park is dream park uh, nostalgic tri- fun
4: yeah. yeah it was yeah. a fun read it's, mm-hmm. install- it's nostalgia. No, we did a Dream
1: Park book recently that was much better. Um, it, it was only by Steve Barnes, I think.
0: What was it? What called? about uh, the embedding by Ian Watson? Never read. I've never, never done heard Ian Watson. It. Yeah, what did Ian Watson? He's British, I think. Is why yeah.
3: probably British. Hmm.
0: There's another one I haven't heard of from 1969: Heroes and Villains by Angela Carter.
1: Well, uh, I've heard a lot about Angela Carter, but I've never read her, and I hear she's really good and kind of mm. similar to uh uh Triptree in that she's dealing with feminism a lot in her her uh fiction a more fantasy or folk tale based though a lot of people seem to like her uh also British, I believe sorry, Evan.
3: Well Scots are okay. <laughs> what about the Welsh? <laughs> Fuck those Welsh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well <laughs> I, you got, the Scots have Robert Burns and Adam Smith and Hume. That that makes them pretty much untouchable.
1: Speaking of Adam Smith, who wants to do uh it, the Invi- Invisible Handbook? The I
5: Invisible can't remember what's called. Man?
1: It's the I capitalism guess. book, uh, by him. I can't remember what it's called. Adam Smith. Wealth of Nations. The Wealth of Nations. Yeah. I'm you know sure. what
3: you should do instead is is Bernard Mandeville. Mandeville. Is he public the domain? The Fable of the Beats. Yeah. I'm, oh, it's definitely public domain. Is it on Librivox? was written like the. It, did. it so might be. I'm looking now. So that he's the original. Private vices create public goods.
1: There's five Gordon. versions of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations on on. So, but Wic- Adam lift Smith lifted a lot of this stuff from Bernard Mandeville. How do you spell so, his last name? Um,
3: I'm, um, let's see.
2: I, I
1: have a, I have a, I also weird.
3: Wrote a book called like on the, on the horrors inflicted on humanity by the Whig government or something like that. <laughs> oh, God. oh, I got him. I,
1: I, you got I have it? A, He's only he's got one memory. thing on the there. The treatise
3: on the hypochondriac and hysteric passion. So here it is. The mischiefs that ought justly be apprehended from a weak government. 1714.
1: I'll do it, but it's not on LibriVox. <laughs> fable <laughs> of, the, of the Bees is on one. there.
3: The mischiefs that ought to be justly apprehended from a weak government.
1: So um, um, it's not knowledge. on LibriVox. That's hilarious. If you narrate it, I'll no, but, uh, do fable it.
3: Fable of the Bees. So he's the first to really argue seriously. It's actually called private vices, public benefits. Yeah. So – it's kind of like if if twenty one hours if you come across a
1: it shouldn't be that long it is
3: well there's all this commentary and stuff in it so th- the idea is kind of like if a rich guy with a with a chest of gold goes by you what's your what's the moral thing to do
1: oh there's another one that's only forty
3: one minutes well that's the that's the the poem the fable oh of okay the poem. And then the 20 hours is the commentary on the film. Uh, wow. <laughs> but anyways, the idea is like if uh, if a rich man comes by you, he's got his chest of gold in his cart or whatever. The moral thing to do is to rob him. Mm-hmm. Why? I agree. Because you are giving work to jailers who are going to like put you in jail. Locksmiths who are going to hear from this rich guy or this rich guy is going to go home and say, I need to lock up my shit. Mm-hmm. So he's going to hire locksmiths. And the guy who stole it, you, are probably going to spend all that money on, like, booze and prostitutes. I, that's that's the thing my do. plan. That's moral yep. thing. And you're basically creating all this currency. You're, you're creating public, all sorts of public I'm benefits, a public servant. It's a stimulus plan. <laughs> on the other hand, if, there, if you let that rich guy pass without
1: stealing his money,
3: what's going to happen?
1: It's my obligation go to and rob and kill him. Oh no! Yeah. I guess I shouldn't kill him. I should just beat him. Well,
3: essentially, this is Adam Smith's argument too, right? That my pr- my private vice is going to have a public
1: benefit, mm-hmm.
3: right? My greed, my greed and selfishness is going to create a public good, right?
1: Makes sense to me.
3: So basically, the fable of the bees is is imagine two bee colonies: one in which everyone is individualistic and competitive and selfish, and the other was everyone works for the public good which is going to be a more prosperous society he says clearly the one where everyone is looking up for their own interest is going to be the more prosperous society
1: i can see why you're saying he stole uh, he stole it I yeah essentially i think he did
3: yep. I, uh, you know there's so much awesome stuff you got i think this the 17th 18th century that's one reason i did the broke cycle series mm. is that is that's the that's where the cool ideas are Really, huh. in that
1: period, oh, I think that's you're weird. right. Um uh, It's not the only the fable of the
3: bee, and that's when the Scots shine. So that's so. that's why I have to always forgive the Scots whenever I, I'm kind of pick pick on the British. I have an asterisk. <laughs> the Scots
1: get the asterisk. The but good no,
3: asterisk. But no,
1: but no, even human Adam Smith
3: and, yeah. and 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 fucking Robert Burns. That's those three people alone. I read a Robert
1: Burns better poem than this pretty week. pretty much any
3: other civilization on the planet. Wow. Bold
1: claim. Blink, blink. Uh, so, yeah, the only Mandeville on there is two versions of the Fable of the Bees. Um, so, unless you're going to narrate it, it's not going to happen. I'm the bees! We have to wait. Sorry.
2: I don't remember
3: it being 20 hours. But the, the Liberty, the Liberty uh, Press, Liberty Fund edition was two volumes but they have really big print. So there's this wonderful publisher out there called Liberty Fund. They're like a they're like a bunch of libertarians.
1: I'm on their website what? right now.
3: You you found them and they like when I was a professor, I would just like write them and say, "I'm thinking of using your books in my class." And they would send me like whatever I fucking wanted <laughs> <laughs> as desk copies or exam copies, and I would never have to send any of that stuff back. So I have all this stuff like Cato's Letters and The Fable of the Bees and uh, Early Histories of the American Revolution, uh, the complete works of John Stuart Mill, things like this mm-hmm. that they dig.
5: Yeah,
3: And they publish really awesome editions of it, though. I mean, they're cheap, too. They're fairly cheap for what you're getting. Like the complete works of, of, of John Stuart Mill for like 100 bucks. Or one of my favorite is like this six or seven-volume uh thing on the American constitution where it takes every line of the American constitution and breaks, breaks it down into all it's,
1: uh, Who, who's their funder? Cause they, they're probably know, some, some, government agency, libertarian guy. but the one
3: on the American constitution is just a wonderful reference to have. Cause they'll take like the second amendment and then give you like 500 pages of documents supporting like the context that, you know, whether it was, you know, from, British law, contemporary debates everything and it just it's just a wonderful source oh yeah, but they God, gave it to all this shit to me for free and unfortunately I like ended up giving it to a library at a university I worked at because I didn't want to carry all this stuff back Just with ask them again so
4: I'm, once I'm spreading
1: computer, I'm <laughs> spreading libertarianism to Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should I should say Good
4: that, luck with that.
1: Nah, I bet they'll <laughs> do it's it. Fun. No, they're pretty they the politics here are pretty right wing. That's For what sure. I'm saying. I be, I
3: bet it's government funded.
1: You may find this.
3: I don't know if it's government funded. I think it's like crazy person funded. But well, their editions of books are brilliant are wonderful. They're so
1: well made. And private it's just Educational awesome. Foundation headquarters in Indianapolis. Yeah, the complete <laughs> works of Adam Smith. I don't see anything about their funding here. So let's, let's check their their Wikipedia. That's what I'm on. Mm. They're building a 22 million dollar headquarters in Carmel, Indiana. Yeah, We've they're not getting 80 million from dollar donation. No, they're, from, they're not getting it from Alexis de Tocqueville's "Democracy in America." <laughs> wow, it has a 300 million dollars in assets. Dude, I can afford to give you books all day. Because yeah, what are yeah. they doing? What are they doing with their money? Right? They have to. They have to show some productivity for their. Uh, you know, taking all those big paychecks. Nineteen sixty found it. Yeah, I'll I'll take their books. There you go. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, I'm yeah, telling you, they're, more they're than doing they a lot say, better. Well, Giving you books then Library of America. They don't care about you at all.
3: Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been talking them up for years, and they don't give me books. They don't give, they don't give a
1: single shit about you. I follow them on Twitter because I thought it would be interesting. But I'm like, they don't give a shit about Evan doing their books.
3: Do not give Here a we shit. go. The elegant and learned discourse of the light of nature. Concerted effort at intellectual mediation on the deep religious dispute of the English Civil War in the 17th century. Like they just want my... I'm going to ask for this book, too.
1: Make a list. And they'll send it to you. It would cost like $300 to ship all these heavy books to uh, Taiwan. I, I should say I'm I'm planning on starting a... A, a, a school. A you are literally planning on starting what? a school there, right? You don't have to mention it's all about the board games. But if you do, just mention Monopoly. Yeah. And they'll be down. But even so, their books
3: aren't expensive if if you just buy them straight up. They're subsidized. But it's better to get them free. It's better to get them free. Yeah, especially the shipping. James Fenimore Cooper, the American Democrat. That's
1: nice. So, uh, oh, like I'm saying, there is no um. There's only the fable of the bees there, and 21 hours seems like a lot. And the- yeah. The narrator no, it's also not, seems,
3: it's not, it doesn't really fit our podcast.
1: Really. Well, uh, I, I, we've been doing a lot of, uh, economic stuff. And the thing is, is that, um, Adam Smith is really interesting because most people think he is, he's, uh, you know, ultra capitalist, but he's not, <laughs> right? He's, he's like, uh, pre Marx. <coughs> and that's really yeah, interesting. So if, if, if you want to change the world, you have to show people the facts. I think that that's really interesting. So, there are five versions so of, how, so of how, that How long
2: well is The Wealth of Nations? I
1: will search it up. Probably again. the same 20 hours. No, I don't think so. Uh, I used to have a copy of Wealth of Nations. Yeah. I don't think it's that long.
2: The, the only, the, so, so, I want to tell this story. I mean, I'll probably tell it again if we do this book. It's nine hours. So I, re- I remember this old kids' movie. Where which had two kids and a talking
1: oh wait cat. oh wait there's and book the, one two three four and five
2: yeah. not version oh shit oh well I <laughs> much with that idea oh no and, but, but anyway the cat had had a stash of secret money in a in a copy of the wealth of nations in the in this children's movie that's the only thing I remember about this children's movie it's the only it was was propaganda Paul and it had money and money in the book it was propaganda.
1: But it, I also it, get it, the it joke. It was
2: supposed to be a funny joke for the adults, I think.
1: Holy cow! This is like sixty hours or something. <laughs> <laughs> because the first <laughs> book is is ten <laughs> hours or nine hours. The second book, the second and third books are uh, five hours. Third uh, book four is ten hours, and book five is another ten hours.
2: Um. Yeah, I just googled it, Jesse. It's nine hundred fifty pages long. Yeah
3: okay so not, that, that explains why i didn't read syndrome. the whole thing like huh? mutual aid by Kropotkin or something like that is that on there that, that actually might connect more to, to science
2: fiction what, what 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 about uh david Graeber's book debt what yeah about that, that that's uh, that's a good book
1: doesn't he have a better I think one? I think domain, more
3: relevant no. would be his book on bureaucracy yeah. or his yeah he's got a the utopia of rules There's
1: a mutual aid is nine hours nine and a half hours mutual aid is really good Um and we'll just listen I to the narrator
3: it's a great introduction to introduction uh aid, a
1: factor of evolution terrible oh terrible terrible see if the second one's any good a factor of evolution version 2 project unavailable you
3: bastards well, then I, they could do Bernie Bookchin's uh, Ecology of Freedom. Oh, it's an abandoned yes. It- that has a fairly good audiobook, I think. On LibriVox? No results. Ecology of Freedom? It's not on LibriVox. But I, I, I downloaded it. Yeah, it's some communist, some anarchist uh, did it.
1: Okay, It's not on LibriVox, so it's, it might be out on it's on archive.org Okay,
4: guys, I'm gonna have to take off.
1: I yeah, get it. it. Yeah, too much it's communist talk. To, gotta flee. It's
2: about time for me to <laughs> leave shortly too. As I said, it's noon, so it's now twelve oh nine. So I've got to get. Good. To a good to one. one.
1: Have a good one. Yeah,
4: good to talk to y'all.
1: See you next yeah. time.
4: Bye, everybody. Everybody. bye,
1: bye. Bye, bye. Scott's sticking around for the so communists slow. He's he's getting uh he's he's it's it's he's getting into it. <laughs> He's changing from a Republican to a communist. Right, Scott? No, I think not enough well, like he's leftists
3: to read like Bernard Vanderville and Adam Smith and shit like that.
1: Well, no wonder they don't read Adam Smith when he's fucking sixty hours long. Just read Adam Smith. You got like nine week- nine weeks. <laughs> you got nine weeks free, right? How come there's no uh T V adaptation of uh Wealth of Nations, huh? Hmm? Murray Bookchin archive.org. What's the name of the book? Ecology of Freedom. Ecology of. Oh. That's like an updated
3: Kropotkin in a way with like modern That's ecological long. thought and uh, and like the experience of 20th century proletarian socialism behind it's, us. It's long. It's kind of a rethinking. I think. The guy talks really slow but you can just I remember this. I remember this audiobook. You just do it at at 150 percent speed. And
0: what,
1: what, it's what's like the length, though? I'm not. I've just seen millions of files. It's not that long of a book. It's pretty long. Remember.
3: It's like 250, 300 pages or so. Okay. It's it's not it's not longer than like Dead by David Graver.
1: Oh man, it's gonna be an edit nightmare. Uh, oh maybe not. Maybe if it's okay, let me listen to part of it. The Ecology of Freedom
3: The Emergence and Dissolution of Hierarchy by Murray Bookchin.
1: Holy shit, is it ever slow?
3: <laughs> yeah, you gotta spe- do about like 1.5. To the 2005 AK Press Edition. The Ecology of Freedom wow. has been in print for nearly 30 years and read by more than 60,000 fairly the oh my god! Six different languages. Yeah. Oh my god! It's <laughs> fucking slow. Audiobook.
1: Wow. I agree with you. That's you better off just read it with your eyes. Uh, who has time for that? Busy getting chicken dinners, yo.
3: <laughs> Ecology of Freedom is such a good book, though.
1: Uh, all right, I'm li- look on Audible. See if they've got a version that's less slow.
3: Oh, there's a YouTube something there. See, like, Okalan was really influenced by Ecology of Freedom, and he's, like, what changed the Kurds. He's actually, like, reformed the Kurdish independence movement to be, like, social anarchists, social ecologists. Are they doing it? And that's it? what's influencing Rojava. Yeah, they're, like, Okalan. he's still in jail, I think, but he, like, no read results, this in jail. Huh? And it actually has real-world consequences because Rojava, like the Kurds in northern Syria are really fucking influenced by Bookchin's mm. thought. They're trying to implement this kind of municipal, like, non-hierarchical socialism.
1: It's not on the aud- Audible.
3: Well, it, it should be in print. It should be not public domain. The book should... Yeah, it was published well, in 82. The mm-hmm. guy just died a few years ago. so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a problem. So
3: it's only, like, anarchists who, like, read it. They fuck the copyright.
1: Uh, well, probably not, nobody's gonna. I, I don't want to put up something. I'm gonna. I, I want to be able to say anytime, "Fuck you." That's my favorite thing to do. Say, "Fuck you!" Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Um. There is an ebook on there, but it's not. Ah, oh, Anyways,
3: don't have to. We're doing Dance Macabre. Yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. enough. Well. Yeah.
1: Oh, by the way. Paul, you in ca- for Dance Macabre? He's gone. Uh, he has a gaming game. Um, yeah, he's off. Did to, you see that?
3: that that like Paizo has has unionized? I saw so your tweet I, there. I, the post, but I don't what really give. I don't.
1: Uh, I don't really give D D that much money. Um. Anyway, yeah. so I I mostly have these books from from um. Oh shit! Was well, I
3: guess I just sort of print out my. Oh, I see. My Pathfinder stuff, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> I bought a few things from them, but normally I just print them out.
1: I have, so I have I have most confused. of my D and D stuff from back then, and I got most of my friends' stuff. You know, I've like mm-hmm. got two copies of Dungeon Master's Guide and stuff like that, and lots of modules. So I just use that mostly. There are there is actually a little book series that if you do start that little school. Um, you should definitely get. It's uh, written by Jim Zub, who is not a great writer, but um, he does a good job with this. I'll bring up the thingy. Um, Zub. He wrote the Conan stuff, the latest Conan stuff. But these are really good. Uh, kids love them. I use them at my school. And um makes you want to play Dungeons & Dragons or whatever the equivalent is. And they're very cheap. Um, surprisingly cheap for modern hardcover books even though you know they're slim volumes and small books um they're fully illustrated inside and it isn't um about the uh you know the stats and stuff it's more like here's this and here's some strategies for that and look at this and it's so it's oh. like, you've got like a monster manual book uh or two you've got um yeah, it's cool. yeah and they're really good for introducing Uh, the kids to the ideas. The only thing that I am not super fan of is like the new um species that you can play, like the dragonborn or whatever. And there was another one, I'm like, eh, if you want to play an orc, that's fine, we can do that. But do we need to make these one of the five options? Because, what, why is dragonborn better than uh, a gnoll? I want to be a gnoll. Tell me about the Knolls so, culture. So
3: Pathfinders kind of kinda of got a little bit woke. I, I I don't know what politics went into this, but they don't have they got rid of races, you know.
1: Okay. So they're they all used, humans uh, or what?
3: Ancestries. Ancestries, they call them. Oh. It's still a dwarf, elf, no. <laughs> I'm a half. Goblin, half whatever. half goblin but, uh, my grandparents. But were. they're not culturally unified anymore, which is good. You gotta, you know, because they have different Based on the feats you choose, they're not they're not as unified as they were in like old D anD D, which hmm. I think is progress in a way. But calling them ancestries rather than races, I, I just kind of got to laugh at that. Yeah, I just want to avoid that term. Race. Apparently,
1: they did that in the Conan uh, adventure game too. That there, somebody was comparing the two the, the books like side by side revisions, and they were like exactly like that. Somebody had gone through with like with a red pen. They did what, what's that cultural reading where you go through or, um, sensitivity reading, right? We go through and say, uh, 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 it's African American now (laughs) or whatever. And, and they went through the, and it was like a, a almost identical looking book. So if you didn't know like which version it is still has the same cover and everything, but like paragraphs are longer or shorter and the changes are like, um, sometimes they're innocuous, but you, like, they might be innocuous to you, but they wouldn't be to the person who was sensitivity reading it, you know? Which is really hmm. weird because Conan is not, uh, like, a if you're, if you're saying, I'm going to do the Conan <laughs> role-playing game, you don't think, Oh yeah, that, I need to be sensitive to my, my audience. Cause like Robert E. Howard's not that sensitive to his audience's, um, uh, political opinions. I don't think he's more like, let me show you some high adventure. And also, um, I'm not a rapist.
3: <laughs> wow. I don't know. Like, I I really do dig this Pathfinder, though. Even though they're a little woke at, at times, they're, like, there's so much more, like, freedom in developing characters.
1: Uh, well, why why is, not just like, use whatever? Yeah, like use that. Yeah, it's it's it's
3: closer to that. Like in D and D, when I last played D and D, it was like still very rigid classes and races and things. I felt like, and the people I played, it was also the people I played with. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, this guy has to be like this way, and and because he's a dwarf and he's a fighter and. So a lack of imagination. I don't know if that was inherent in the rules, but I got a feeling that sort of was inherent in some of the rules. But I am. Um, and I find that there's just so much more you could tweak with, you could, you know, your wizard character could be a really good fighter and, you know, based on his background, whatever. He didn't have to be a scholar. He could have been a street urchin. Whatever.
1: I've got, um... And that
3: was all in the rule. Like, you could you just have more freedom in developing characters, I guess.
1: I've got, I've got this thing I didn't use for the podcast. I'll um, give it to you now because it's kind of cool. Um, my mom was going through my sister's stuff in the garage she had abandoned. <laughs> and she said, have a look at that. And it was a uh, envelope uh, addressed to my mom. Uh, a care of her mom. Or no, her dad in Calgary. And on the back it says uh, his address. It's from my dad. Um, written, uh, probably November of 1974. So I'm two years old. Um, <laughs> this is really funny cause it's like a little time capsule and it reminds me of what we just did that book. Right. Um, and inside there was a clipping too, just like, um, just like there's a, uh, clipping in the, in the seventies Alice Sheldon book. Right. Um, she said, it says Thursday. No, no year, no month, just Thursday. Dear Elaine, this is, this sounds exactly like my dad. Um, here I am once again, sitting down at home after dinner. Uh, Bruce has passed out on the sofa. <laughs> In a few minutes, the gang, there's quotation marks around that is going to come down to watch quote unquote carry on camping on TV. That's like a, a British comedy movie. Bruce surprised me and bought two fish and some princess pine plant today. One is a very shy gourami with pretty colors, and the other is an energetic catfish. I went to the fisheries department today and got an application for fisheries work as a guardian today. (laughs) Also, bought some antifreeze for the car, some paint for the fireplace, and some wire brushes. And t- uh, for tiles on the fireplace. The paint is charcoal gray and flat black. I forgot to tell you also that yesterday I bought some floating green plants, which really look nice and filter the light, the light green through the water. How is my son, wife, your folks, Jason? That's her brother. Calgary, Nelson, weather. Are you skinny? <laughs> Fat? Skinnier? Fatter? Do you love me? Hate me? I love you and miss you, but I've got myself a lot of projects to keep me busy until your return. Have a good time. Please write first time every time. Love to you, uh, to love to you too. T W O, that'd be me, I guess, and her and to your folks. Ted, P S, where are the stamps? That's <laughs> really funny. That's exactly. Yeah. His personality's really fucked up. Uh, in a really interesting way, not like a negative way, just like he's sort of scatterbrained and always spending money and not having <laughs> not having like good job prospects. Um and uh the clipping <laughs> seems to be out of a magazine and it's of uh, like two Hanna-Barbera characters. Uh, one of them is uh in the <laughs> in the of uh, the stove and he's smoking and the wife's looking at him like he's insane. <laughs> and what's so weird is like I didn't spend that much time with him because he died when I was like um I don't know, 10 years old or something. So uh I can see my writing style in his stuff and I also remember um, I copied when I was a kid. I liked the way he He wrote because he uses uh, all caps. (laughs) That's how I write too. So there's like um, a lot of uh, a lot of genetically him in me, Mm
5: -hmm. and I could
1: see that in that little like very very innocuous letter about you know I miss you and uh, I need some money. Whereas my mom is like very business oriented, and uh, not very artsy, she'll like write a short story or something. But he's like he just wants to paint and smoke dope and <laughs> just not, never really got a shit together in a period of time when when uh, you would think oh jobs are easy to get and housing is cheap and and jobs were easy to get and housing was cheap and he still has like no money. <laughs> Very funny guy. If he had lived, I don't know what would have happened, because he would probably be like me, just can't hold a job at a normal job place. just wouldn't do it, you know? I think that's pretty funny. Are you a lot like your dad? No, I'm not like my dad at all. You think uh, your mom cheated on him?
3: No, I think... I think my dad should have cheated on her, but he didn't. He was too, he ate the shit for, for a lot of years. Made his life. So like my, there was a long period of time where my mom was upset about something and it was like rumors of like, I think, I think someone at work was like kind of trying to step in. Hmm. I don't think my dad did anything about it. I kind of wish he did sometimes.
1: <laughs> dad, I wish you cheated on mom more.
3: Well, I, I think she didn't treat him really well. That's the thing. I mean, she's dead. I don't want to speak too much ill about her, but she I, was she's not, not
1: going to hear about it.
3: She was all, like really cruel to him sometimes and cruel to me, too. I think like. She had she had gender issues. She had a lot of people do. She had some problem with men cuz my sisters don't have the experience that I had and hmm. and my dad he just took
1: it. You know, which What's is, the alternative? You I'm leave not. or you hit back, right? Yeah, you hit back. And he never hit back. And he didn't leave. And He didn't leave. Like I hit back,
3: so I right? Maybe I
1: overcompensate for, like, what my dad... I think that's point. right. I, I don't smoke dope. I don't... I never smoked a cigarette, because he smoked, and he died of cancer. In my brain, that means he died of cigarettes, even though that's not what happened. Yeah. He also drank alcohol, and I don't do that either. hmm It's interesting we are uh, reaction epigenetic reactions to our genetics and uh upbringing and a bunch of other stuff too yeah i think so also we read some books <laughs> which uh changes things my dad had a copy of the hobbit on his shelf on the island where he has like no electricity and a wood stove and that's mm-hmm. what we that was our entertainment for that uh like my mom was not a uh, she just basically fucked off with her kids just doesn't care you know she's i'm I'm about my business, I'm not uh, living this hippie lifestyle where we smoke dope all the time. She's like, no, I'm doing this, I'm doing that and it like he's sort of you know oh yeah i I should come visit <laughs> stuff like that so um we would we would go visit him and he's always got some project like he's fixing up a really bad old boat. <laughs> or he's like, do, she like give him money for some sort of uh, tree planting project or something, right? Which is really bad at business and keeping his shit together. But it was a it was the seventies and and life was easy, right? And he could always go uh, hang out with his parents or his one of his brothers or whatever. And you know, when in this letter when it says the group, um, my mom was saying, I said like, who's that? And she said, well. In Kitimat, we rented a house, uh, and uh, I rented out all the rooms, (laughs) right? Because there's a lot of demand for work there. That's why they moved there. I don't think my dad was working at Kitimat, though. I or if he was, he wasn't doing much, Um, because he's talking about, you know, I'm gonna do this with the, I'm gonna clean the tiles or whatever, and let me tell you about my fish tank. (laughs) 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 Like that's not me. I'm not 100% genetically like him, right? I'm also part uh my mom, but my mom takes it too far. She's like uh you know, obsessively collecting dogs and has to learn read every book and watch every uh thing about it or diet shit, you know, like finding out all about she, she got she really got into uh Michaela Peterson, Jordan Peterson's uh daughter cuz she was talking about Power. diet stuff, you know, like uh being a carnivore and stuff like that. Well, she, she goes through these like really obsessive things and I'm like that too, but mine, I never throw mine away. You know, like it's, if I was interested in something and, um, uh, you know, Lego when I was interested, I'm still interested in Lego. I never abandon it, right? I never stop, uh, having Lego in my life or comic books or whatever. Whereas she's like, no, I'm done with snakes now. <laughs> I'm done with turtles. I'm done with birds. And that's really interesting. And she's a teacher, right? Mm. But she's different, a different kind of teacher than me. She's a good teacher, but a bad teacher for me. But a good teacher for, you know, school. Very interesting. We're weird. We're weird creatures. We got a lot going on. We don't understand ourselves very well. I like that. It's not, it would probably be another way to go on another planet, but. That's the only one we got in the neighborhood. Hmm. Alright, time for bed,
3: I guess. I'll allow it.
5: Isn't it? A
1: few more days here. Yep. You can you can hack through it.
4: I'll survive. Right. I'm
1: I'm worried about uh once you get uh back in your lifestyle groove with the family that um you're not gonna be able to do um do your Star Trek sex book though
3: well i'll I'll have to do some kind of writing mm-hmm might be too
1: popular though although i've got I've got so many uh not next generation now original series reviews they're much longer than the uh you know Star Trek Tng ones I notice. Like, I did one. Did you see the one I did on, uh, maybe I sent it to you. I probably did. Uh,
3: um, we put them on Twitter, right?
1: Yeah. It was like, I, I did this one on, um, uh, I don't know, the Melkoshians or whatever they're called. And it, it, it was about, I'm saying, it's gun bloat, gunboat diplomacy. And Paul's like, I don't think so. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not saying that the author's saying that's what it is. I'm saying that's what I'm saying it is. <laughs> Like, I didn't even mention the author, right? Sometimes I'll I'll go that direction. I'm just saying, like, look at this, and look at this, and look at this. And so, it's like putting things together. But what's funny is uh, that's the OK Corral episode, right? And Mm -hmm. OK Corral is not about gunboat diplomacy at all, right? But the frame of the story is they don't think that, you know, they don't say we're going to do gunboat diplomacy. Sometimes they actually call out their themes. But... You know, when you show up in a, in a port after being waved off, and you, you brandish your weapons and say, we want to make contact with you. <laughs> that's kind of about diplomacy, where you send your, a force to get your will. It's explicitly what it is. You could call it something else, but that's what it is. Mm. It's interesting. And it's why Star Trek's, the original Star Trek's good, even on, a, like, there was one I watched the other day. I was like, this is shit. Um, and it's probably because I'm, underst- I'm not understanding the way to get into it, but it's called When the Children Shall Lead Them. You remember this one? It's really bad. Kirk shows up on a planet. They beam down. Everybody's familiar. D- everybody's dead. They all, like, and the one guy's not dead and he sees Kirk and he shoots himself. He phasers himself. And um and then some kids come out of a cave and they're like
6: la 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 la,
1: and they dance around and, and they're not upset about their parents being dead or anything, and they beam up to the Enterprise and Doctor McCoy it's does like a, children
3: of the corn kind of thing.
1: I guess so, except um it turns out like there's a spirit of like some barbarian raider on the planet that they conjure up by doing a little sing song ring around the posy sort of style. And then using that power, uh, they, the power that he gave them, they killed their, they made their parents kill themselves because now they'll be free to not like have to do homework or whatever, maybe. And then at the end of the episodes, all the kids are crying because, uh, Kirk shows them the error of their ways of killing their parents. I'm like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Because <laughs> they're the, Kirk being a cop, right? It is Kirk being a, Kirk a, a, being cop. a cop. He he does that a lot. But what's so weird is like, what is this? What is this? Like, there's this alien ghost that has a big dress, <laughs> and they call him by saying special words, and then he appears, and then they have this arm shaking thing where they shake their arm, and they and that makes people do what they want, and and it's like. That's dumb. <laughs> what is this about? I don't understand that episode at all. But most of them are like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. So there must have been like I, I thought it maybe it was about juvenile delinquents, but they're a little bit too young. They're like, you know, they're none of them are teenagers. And the, uh, I guess there's not a lot of sex going on in there either. And the children should lead them. Unfortunate. Captain Kirk's responds to a distress call from the planet Triacus, where the crew are horrified to, f- to find young children playing happily, oblivious to the bodies of their dead parents strewn around them. Maybe there's a... There's a poem by um, some guy um, that has... Uh, basically, it says um, the kid pretends like the person the brother is still alive even though he's dead she goes and eats her supper beside his grave and she's I, I think it's called we are seven have you heard of this poem it's from um, uh, not really Wordsworth okay. yeah uh, a simple child that lightly draws its breath and feels its life in every limb what should it know of death I met a little cottage girl she was eight years old. She said, her "Her hair was thick, with many a curl that clustered round her head. She had a rustic woodland air, and she was wildly clad. Her eyes were fair, and very fair. Her beauty made me glad. Sister and brothers, little maid, how many may you be? How many? Seven in all, she said, and wondering, looked at me. And where are they, I pray you tell? She answered,
6: seven are we. And two of us at Conway dwell, and two are gone to sea.
1: Why, my little girl voice is amazing. Uh,
6: two of us in the churchyard lie, my sister and my brother. And in the churchyard cottage I dwell near them with my mother.
1: You say that two are at Conway dwell, and two are gone to sea? Yet ye are seven, I pray you tell, sweet maid, how may this be? Then did the little maid reply, Seven boys and girls
6: are we. Two of us in the churchyard lie beneath the churchyard tree,
1: you run about, my little maid, your limbs they are alive, if two are in the churchyard laid, then ye are only five.
6: their graves are green, they may be seen.
1: The little maid replied, uh,
6: twelve steps or f- more from my mother's door, and they are side by side,
1: my stocking on oh, oh.
6: my stockings there I often knit, my kerchief there I hem, and there upon the ground I sit. And sing a song to them. And often after sunset, sir, I shouldn't have started this voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and often after sunset, sir, when the light is, when it is light and fair, I make my little porridge. and eat my supper there. The first that died was Sister Jane. In bed she lay, in moaning lay, till God released her of her pain, and then she went away. <laughs> <laughs> so in the churchyard she was laid. When the grass was dry, together round her grave we played, my brother John and I. And when the ground was white with snow and I could run and slide, my brother John was forced to go, and he lies by her side.
1: How many are you then, said I, if two are in heaven? Quick was the little maid's reply,
6: Oh, master, we are seven.
1: But they are dead, those two are dead, their spirits are in heaven. 'Twas throwing words away, for still the little maid would have. S- would have her will and said,
6: nay, we are seven.
1: See, it doesn't quite fit that story of, because she didn't kill them, right? So I don't know what the fuck this, this episode of Star Trek's about. You're going to have to do a whole chapter on just to explain it to me.
6: What the hell is it about?
3: Maybe, maybe I got to start watching the Star Trek. It's really good. Except for the ones I that agree. are bad.
1: But Thank even the me. bad ones are re- like, there's so many episodes where somebody t- gets turned into an android or wants to get turned into an android. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's like two episodes where, um, Nichelle Nichols, uh, Uhura, it's like, she's excited about the fact she's going to be pretty forever.
3: Yeah. The Muds women one. Mm-hmm.
1: And that one has a fake out ending like that, uh, episode of the master, no, the uh, Twilight Zone where, mm-hmm. you know, it was all, uh placebo but th- there I don't feel ripped off I feel like that's actually kind of cool it's all about how yeah. you present yourself and confidence and you know you just put uh, actually that's one one of the things that's in that end of that um adaptation um <laughs> they're adapting the uh, Alice Sheldon story and they They put a line in right at the end where a soldier says, ask for ID. And then he looks at her ID and says, you know, it wouldn't hurt you to smile. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually the point of Mud's women, right? It's like, if you go around,
6: "Yeah, you suck. Men are ugly. I hate
1: them. Well, yeah, you're not getting any dates. But if you go around, I'm attractive
6: and I have eyes that I'm batting at you
1: (laughs) then men are like hey she's a sexy lady even when she's identical to the lady who was not smiling a minute ago all right that uh, it's actually making the opposite point which is really interesting because Mm -hmm. um and i saw a uh, youtuber um i was like how do people accept this shit so i did a search uh, Not All Men. I found the first YouTuber who talked about it. Black guy all pumped up. And he talks about how it's like just the worst episode and woke and all that stuff. But then he also made the comparison to there's this um, uh, American black actor. He's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's really pumped up. You know who I'm talking about? Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But okay, go. Um, uh, you probably recognize his name. He's he's like a semi-famous actor, Terry Crews. You know who Terry Crews is? C R E W S. Oh, really? Okay, there's the Wikipedia entry for him. Um, how Terry Crews when he's he's in all these comedies, he's always <laughs> they always put like he's got a beard, right, and he's all pumped up. And he's usually bald and they put him in wigs and make him like, uh, a girl. And that's like the, <laughs> they said, he, he made a joke, um, saying, you know, the only thing that Terry Cruz does in comedy is dress up like a woman. And then he showed a bunch of clips of him doing it. I'm like, Oh yeah, that is kind of weird. That uh, That's the only thing they have him do. Not, like, I doubt he's writing the scripts, right? <laughs> But they keep putting this very masculine-looking man in uh, cross-dressing him. And he's, uh, he's, uh, there's a line here. Cruz was a public advocate for women's rights and activism against sexism. He shared stories of abuse he endured at the hands of a violent father, included uh, something, something. And um, he also had like a sexual assault story from when he was a kid, I think. And that's really interesting, right? But he is like a, he is like a on the team of. Yeah, what does it say? On the tenth of October, twenty seventeen, in the wake of numerous Hollywood actresses going public with their stories of sexual harassment and assault from Weinstein, Cruz revealed a male Hollywood executive groped him at a party, but he did not report the incident for fear of retaliation. Later revealed that the highlightable executive was Adam Venti, Venet, head of motion picture development for William Morris, which is one of those, uh, companies that is huge, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> it's not just, not just men, not all women, not, I don't know, but he has like a Me Too story too. And he's like a big pumped up, uh, you know, very masculine, uh, ish men, man.